Hey all, it's Evan Hill here of Real Hawk Talk. Super excited to talk to you about our good friends over at Burgermaster. If you know anything about me, I crave burgers in my sleep. I do not mess around. Started in 1952, Burgermaster is the best burger chain in Washington State. They have locations all over the Puget Sound in Aurora, Bellevue, Everett, Mill Creek University, and Mount Vernon. Their fresh ingredients and classic driving experience make them the greatest burger chain in the state of Washington. Stop by Burgermaster on your way home from a Seahawks game. You won't regret it. Hey all, Evan Hill here of Real Hawk Talk. Super excited to talk to you guys about our good friend Blake Johnson of ManifestFit.com. Football season is quickly approaching, and it is a struggle to stay in shape while eating burgers and nachos. ManifestFit.com is your one only true online personal training service with workout and nutrition programs specifically based on your needs. They work with clients all over the U.S., and what makes Blake and ManifestFit.com so unique is that they don't believe training should be a luxury item. Now's the time to start. Head over to ManifestFit.com. Click on how to join and fill out the form. Their team will get back to you ASAP and help you start building a healthier, happier, louder Seahawks fan life. The skyline is etched in my veins. You can never put that out, no matter how hard it rains. In my city. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Real Hawk Talk Day 3 Live live broadcast of the NFL, the 2023 NFL Draft. I'm Brian Emhauser. You can find me on Twitter at HawkBlogger. And I'm joined today by the one, the only, Jeff Simmons, at RealJeffSimmons on Twitter. Jeff, we've missed you the last two days, man. We know you've been doing some draft work on the side and getting uh, getting some coin for doing it. So uh, happy to see you, man. How's, how's the... You're an eval of the first couple of days of the Seahawks draft. Uh, yeah, it's been it's been interesting. Day one, I loved. Um, obviously, I was in the Jalen Carter camp right with you guys. I was hoping that they were going to grade him high, and that was the pick. But for I've been pleading with you for years, just that the team needs to come out and just draft good football players. Like I can't tell you how many times I've said that. I've talked about like the Baltimore Ravens. Now they draft. And this first round was that. Devin Witherspoon is a guy we had talked about on text for a while. I thought he was a backup plan. and I was totally fine when they took him. Obviously, I was gut-punched with Carter. But Smith and Jigba like, was probably the most excited I've ever been for a Seahawks pick. I don't think they've ever taken my hand-picked. I jumped up and yelled like an animal. Like, I've never done that for a Seahawks pick. And so, day one, you got those two guys who were both top ten on Danny Kelly's. Like, just good tough football player not the ideal positions but I've been preaching that one thing for years so I can't go against what I've been saying yesterday hurt yesterday hurt a bit to me um I thought yesterday was a very very good opportunity for them to establish one of two things either to stack the offensive line now maybe they can prove that today and do that go against me on that or to really build that interior defensive line and me and you did so many mocks and so many things where there was just chances of really stacking that second round. That really felt like the meat of this draft. And while there are some things to like about Derek Hall and some questions for sure, and Charbonnet is a guy that me and you both really liked, and we both did give him to us in a lot of mocks, to come out with only those two and maybe the best part of the day being that trade, it felt like a missed opportunity to me. So day one, I'd give close to an A. Day two, close to a C- minus to a D plus based on – the opportunity I felt that they left on the table. Now there's a lot left. Me and you were going through names on the board today. So today's a really good chance to shake this, but yeah, I, yesterday left a sour taste in my mouth. Yeah. I think that's well said, you know, 
Charbonnet, I'll start on the positive in yesterday. Charbonnet was a guilty pleasure for me. He was in the Darnell Washington category of don't really need him necessarily. I mean, you need another running back, but you don't need a second round running back. Um, and, uh, but I do love the kid. I think he's a great, a great fit for, for what Seattle likes to do. I think he's going to be an amazing, he's like the ideal Batman to Kenneth Walker's Robin. And so I, I just think that that's a, it's a, he's a great player. I think he's gonna be a really good fit for the team. I'm really going to enjoy watching him. I think he's got a ton of potential to be, I mean, I think he can be a featured back for sure. <clears throat> um, but I think his ideal situation is to be this second back with Kenneth Walker and for them to just trade off. And so I think that that's, I think that's huge. And I like, I like him. So, if that pick had been Darnell Washington, I think we probably would have felt differently, even though they're probably the same level of guilty pleasure. Like they don't really need Darnell Washington either. Um, that probably would have been, you know, that sounds like there's some medical red flags on Darnell Washington, which is why he's slipped as he has. So, you know, take it for what it is. I also think that the trade that they made in the third round, getting a third round pick next year, while that is not something that we get to really enjoy now, um, I think that's huge. It's a huge, huge pickup. Um, it's a big win. And by all accounts, that was a completely one-sided trade. So give the Seahawks credit for that. <clears throat> the last thing I'd say there, Jeff, is I just wonder if the board has kind of fallen not to their liking, you know, and not the, like maybe there's players that they like that didn't work out. And this is, it starts at the very, very top for me. As much as I like the Witherspoon pick cornerback is the deepest position in this draft. And if they had gone with a different position at number five, if, if let's just say that the, the Carter had been their guy or Willie Anderson had fallen to them or something like that, Let's just say Willie Anderson, because the Carter thing's out. If Willie Anderson somehow somehow fallen to them, they're not picking Derek Hall at 37. And they might be picking some other, you know, defensive lineman or offensive lineman or something else. Or 52 would have been different or something like that. And I think you could have gotten a Julius Brents or, you know, even Corey Trice is on the board today. I think there's still some decent corners on the board today. So I think just the way that the draft has fallen has maybe pushed some guys up and I'm just not huge on the Derek Hall pick. I, I think he's going to, he seems like a total Seahawk edge second round pick, not a super high ceiling, pretty decent floor, probably can be a rotational guy, try hard, good athlete, tough guy. You know, maybe his upside is like, six to seven sacks in a season or something like that. It's hard for me to get excited. I, I want at 37 in this year's draft, I wanted a clear cut starter. And I look at some of the interior offensive linemen, even Cody Malk, like some of these guys I feel like could have been clear starters and plus starters. And I don't think that Derek Hall is going to be a plus starter. That's, that's my initial take. And I, I could be absolutely wrong. 
I know. I have the same read. Uh, I I think at Hall, yeah, he's a, he's a rotational outside linebacker. They Bruce Irvin played a ton of snaps last year. And the weakness in that group was they had trouble setting the edge. And that's something that Hall is really, really good at. It might be one of his strengths. But and he has some athletic traits, but as like a pure pass rusher, there's four of those guys. And you don't really know outside of Nuosa who that starter is beside them. There, There's Mafe, there's Daryl Taylor, who's kind of a one-trick pony at this point. And then now there's Derek Hall. And yes, they built a really good sustainable position group on one hand. So that's a really good thing. That's something we've been criticizing them over the years. Because now they got four young players in there. They're going to be there for a while. But yeah, like you, Cody Mouch is a guy or some of the other guys, Avila went right before them, but Cody Mouch could be your starting left or right guard of the future. And again, you turn that position group, the offensive lineman into a real plus. And that's, I completely agree with what you said. I think the board did get away from them. And the Will Anderson example is great because if they take Will Anderson, 37 is totally different. And they've really tried to learn from their past mistakes. It looks like, and it's learned that they've gone to the point now where they're not focusing on positions as much. They are just taking the best ranked player, on their board and they seem consistent with that yesterday because you look at what they need they're like their interior defensive line there john was saying at the end like well we could have the board got away from us there were some upsets well you kind of created that like 37 there's a ton of those guys or even 53 there's some of those guys you maybe thought were going to be there in the third round so i don't have much remorse when he says that they really put the they had the chance to really fill those needs so on one hand it's good they're not hyper focusing but I, again, I come back to it. it just feels like a wasted opportunity of what they could have done yesterday and what they ended up with because yeah. that was really the meat and potatoes of this draft and where you really build those trenches. I want to take this moment to remind folks that are just tuning in. The way we do this, we obviously we, we're sharing the draft picker um, here on the stream. Um, would love to avoid tipping picks. People are going to see picks before they show up on the screen. Please don't react. Please don't type anything in the chat. I think people that are watching the stream would like to just have the reaction together. So try to avoid tipping things. Once you see the pick show up on the screen here, then feel free to react, feel free to comment. But until then, would appreciate folks not doing that. Um, so Jeff, who who do you want like who are your who are the like guys that really are sticking out for you um today that you want to hear called i'm scared to get excited about centers again but luke whipler is a guy that me and you have liked basically throughout the whole process and he was a guy that me and you would have been comfortable drafting in the second round on multiple of our pro football talk simulators so he is, to me, like far and away, the most interesting guy to me. Um, there are a lot of guards that fourth round is typically where you can get a starting guard. And there's a lot of them. Chandler Zavala is a guy I really grew to like in the process. Me and you have talked about him. Mm -hmm. Anthony Bradford. And, well, there goes one of the offensive linemen right there. There goes the first pick, offensive tackle. Every tackle that goes off the board is a good thing. By the way, Seahawks are uh, sixth pick here. So there are four more picks before they go. Um, we've got the Raiders, the Eagles, the Colts, and then the Pats. Yeah, there were three trades, right, to start the draft. The Saints traded up, the Raiders traded up, and then the Eagles gave up a 2024 third rounder to move up to that third spot with Houston. So it's not hmm. something they don't do very often, so they must have someone really high on their board. I, I wouldn't be surprised if it was Whipler. 
because Kelsey's going to retire. That would hurt. It wouldn't yeah. surprise me. They drafted Cam Jurgens last year, who was a guy I actually liked for the Seahawks center. They have, they have him probably playing guard this year, but there's also Kelly Ringo. They haven't drafted a corner yet. He's That's a good there. call. Ringo's yeah. a really good call. Ringo's a guy that a lot – There's there was a time when the first mock drafts came out, Jeff. Like, yeah. people had Ringo in the top 15. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like – there were, yeah, I think I saw a mock that had the Seahawks taking Ringo in the top 10. I mean, so the fact that he's here on day three is, is quite the fall. Yeah, so Ringo's a guy like the Seattle Seahawks don't need him. They're stacked at corner. But to me, I see a lot of guards. Uh, Anthony Bradford's a guy they had for a visit. He's a really powerful guy. He would be a really good fit in the fourth rounder. There's a ton of different guys. And then you can't not look at those interior defensive linemen there's some of the guys we've talked about carl brooks who's more of an kind of fourth three four end he's a guy we had second third round at times addy addy's a guy who i thought was an option at 37 i wonder if there's a medical question on him because his his athletic testing was so high and he looked had got such good reports coming out of the senior bowl some people were mentioning him as a first round pick yeah no for sure so it'd be hard not to be excited if they took him here and so at this point, I either want like someone who can fill a, a need or an athletic freak like Woolen was last year. So I'm kind of looking at those guys. There's a, We went through the names. There's Coburn from Texas. He's a nose tackle. I would really like them to take a nose tackle. Well, there goes another one. Another guy that wasn't quite interested in. Yep, this is good. We'll take as many of these as we can. <laughs> Corian Bennett, yeah, I think he's a slot corner. So he goes over Ringo. That's really interesting. Yep. So the um, first two off the board were not names that I was focused on. So that's that's a good start. This is one that we got to watch. So the Eagles yeah. on the clock. I'm really curious how this is going to look. Yeah. And then so it goes Eagles, Colts, Patriots, and Seahawks are up in four. Correct. So right now, two picks. How about you, Brian? Who, who are you eyeing here? You've been, you've been pretty good about this. Let's talk about let's go best player available and not need. If we're talking best player available and not need, I think I think you could make the case that Zavala is the best player. Like him or Adi are probably the best. Carl Brooks is another one that I think is a fair fair option. Yeah. Um, I think all those guys are really I think have higher like day two upside for sure. Um, those are the ones that kind of stand out to me. Um, I think another guy that, I mean, I really like on the guard, I think, I think guards are where there's some real value right now. And I, there's, there's four guys that like three guys that I think stand out and a fourth guy that I've mentioned, but Andrew Voorhees was a guy that was going to be a second round pick until he had an ACL injury during the combine. And so you're, you'd be red shirting him essentially, but this guy, I think, is an ideal guard for the Seahawks. Really good mover, good athlete. Yes, he's got an ACL, but I, I, I'm not worried about him coming back from that. And so you'd be getting a guy that was pretty high projection um, later in the draft. So he's one that I think is interesting. Anthony Bradford is an absolute freak from a athletic standpoint. He's got a little more work to do in a few different places, but... Um, you know, I, I think he's he would be a really interesting fit. But Zavala is just a good all-around mauling guard, and I think that would be pretty projectable. 
I see people talking about Daywan Jones. I think that's also would be exciting, man. I'd be like, oh, okay, about him. okay. Uh, I think he's a tackle for us. I don't think he's a guard, but I'd, I'd be interested. God, he was a first round grade guy, and we were talking about him with thirty seven for a while. Yep. So I, so I he slipped through the cracks. So, so the pick is in here, though. Let's see what they're doing, but. Let's hope it's another uh, defensive back. I mean, Ringo would be a good thing for us. If, if they went Ringo, that would be good. We, we, you know, the Seahawks are not going to likely draft another corner, um, given that room. He, he's been working with Richard Sherman. They've been training together. So Ringo has? Yes. So I'm sure that he's made some calls this morning. But I don't He's think a really good physical – like profile for a corner i mean i think he's a little stiff and so I, I don't see him having quite the same potential as some of the other larger corners but i liked ringo i i, I mean i certainly would have been happy if the seahawks hadn't drafted corner early and drafted him later i would have been i would have been happy about that and oh, there, there he goes all right we made the call that's they don't have to hit a fourth rounder right so so we're three picks in oh God, they've had a good draft they, that's, and he's another georgia defender they've drafted ringo carter holy and shit Smith. you're the right entire georgia defense that is hilarious so no wonder they traded that future third they must have had him graded really high wow uh that, that is, have you ever seen anything like that no the only time, like Steve, when Steve Spurrier came to the NFL, like how long ago? That was one of those things where he was a college coach. They did the one thing you're not supposed to do and just drafted all of his players from college. But in the NFL, I've never seen. They have Carter, Smith, Devontae Wyatt, Nicobe Dean, and Ringo, all from the same defense. It's pretty nuts, man. Um, <laughs> That's unbelievable. <laughs> It will be something to watch. Like we people, one of the things that makes me think about is how many times have people said, "Hey, the best team in college football couldn't compete with the worst team in the NFL." You're now basically rebuilding one of the best college defenses ever in the NFL. If it ends up being good in the NFL, uh, that'd be kind of interesting. Unbelievable! I, I've never seen that happen before. Uh, so the, the Colts are up and according to ESPN, they're talking about guard being a position need. This is a place. I mean, this is Zavala. They're showing him as a best fit. You see his profile six, three, three, 22. I think this guy is a starting caliber guard. I think he's someone you'd be excited about. This is around the time that the Seahawks have spent on guards. They have drafted. Let me pull it up real quick. I'm going back to. They've drafted Damian Lewis, Reese Odiambo, John Moffitt, all in the third round. They've drafted Phil Haynes, Terry Poole, and Mark Glowinski all in the fourth round. So of the they've drafted six of their nine guards that they've ever drafted in the rounds three or four. So I think there's a lot of reason to think that the Seahawks will look at guard at this spot. Yeah, it makes sense. And that's been a sweet spot for them. And league wide, it's kind of a sweet spot of where you draft a guard. Uh, the Colts, you're right. The Colts have a big hole at right guard. Glowinski was there. He left. And then last year, they tried to replace it with like an internal guy, and it was a disaster. So this is a spot where they've had eh, – there it is, offensive line. Okay, a tackle. So, this guy's not a guard at 6'8". Yeah, no, that's a, that's, a, that's a left tackle. Interesting. So this is good. This is falling the right way so far. Yeah, not a single, not a single pick that I would have wanted. 
And now we are at the the Patriots. This is the last pick before the Seahawks are up. And this means, Jeff, this means that one of Addy, you know, Voorhees, Bradford, Zavala, Brooks, Whipler. Well, I'd be fired up with one, uh, any one of those guys are going to be available. Day one Jones, like there's going to be a good set of choices. I don't think they'll trade back. I hope they don't trade back, but, but when that many guys available, that could be interesting picks. We will see. Um, really curious. I don't really know the Patriots well enough to know like where you think they're going to go. Um, well, I was looking. They took all defensive players so far in the draft. They haven't taken a single offensive player yet. So this is saying they're, they're thinking the best fits to Daywan Jones. I don't know their tackle situation that well. And I don't know what tackles. I, I honestly haven't looked much at the tackles because the Seahawks just don't need them. Yeah. I don't know how many tackles are left. Probably not a lot, especially two of them, just two or three have gone already. And then Patriots have Trent Brown. Trent Brown Ooh. is like Daywan Jones. He's probably the closest thing to Daywan Jones. That's why I wonder, like, is that a guy for him to train behind, learn behind, similar body type? They've liked that position in the past, but they, they're going to – you assume they're going to take someone thing offensively, but they've gone – yeah, I think they went – they went Christian Gonzalez to start, and then they took another – I think they took a linebacker in the third round, and then there was a defensive lineman in the second round. So no offense yet, which was their weakness. This could be a running back. They lost Damian Harris. could be a receiver. It's been a weak spot for them. I don't know their interior offensive line situation as well, but they're, they're taking it down here. So yeah, it could be offensive line. It could be a skill guy, which would be a, if it's a tackle or a skill guy, that's great for Seattle. Cause that's, that's been, oh, the pick is in. So the Seahawks are on the clock. Let's see what happens. And reminder folks for the Seahawks pick, especially please do not tip it in the chat until you see, until you see the pick show up on your screen here, do not react to it. Do not mention it. You can look elsewhere if you want, but please don't spoil it for other folks. People are trying to have a shared experience here. So do not, um, please do not uh, uh, tip the pick. And so Seahawks are on the clock. We don't yet know who the Patriots have picked. <laughs> yes. I'm nervous. I'm nervous. I, I was so confident after Thursday, but yesterday shook me. Uh, what's the name? Uh, I need to sign in with that message. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I, I've, I'm, I'm kind of lazy right now. Maybe I'll. I'll put that on the uh, YouTube channel. Hold on. Jeff, who just, oh, whoops, whoops. Um, who would be your biggest, like who would make you the most excited? Weirdly, it's Luke Whipler. Um, we've been talking about center for, I feel like seven years since we've been doing the show. And he's a guy who we first got familiar with because he handled Jalen Carter in the playoff game when it was the Iowa State, Georgia. And there was all this reporting this year. I know Tony Pauline was the one who said that the Seahawks worked out Schmitz and Tipman. And if, 
they were going to consider those guys in the first round. I'm like, okay, not convincing myself of center for the fifth year in a row. And then the article comes out and it's like, they'd be over the moon if he makes it to 37, but they don't take him at 37 or 53. So I finally got my head out of the center thing, but then I look at the list this morning and <laughs> I went right back in. So I think that's the one that I would be most fired up about because it's a guy I like and it's go against a lot of their tendencies. So what about you? Um, all right. I think I just managed to pin that message. Let's go back. Uh, most excited. Maybe it would be Adi. Yeah, Adi would be pretty sweet. I think because of the upside potential there. Um, yeah, way more than Whipler. I think Whipler can be a good starter. I'm not as clear that Whipler is going to be better than Evan Brown. Like I thought John Michael yeah. Schmitz had a potential to be meaningfully better than, than Evan Brown. I'm not as sure. And even like Joe Titman has athletic profile that was better than what we've got. Yeah, I'd be excited about Whipler, but I think Adi would probably be the guy that got me most excited. I think Zavala, I honestly yeah. might even be more excited about Zavala than Whipler because I think Zavala has real upside potential. Um, so I think those are the guys I'd be most excited about. We'll see. What's what's the most like concerning pick? A safety here? Like I would be surprised. <laughs> I mean, linebacker probably. Um, yeah, I, don't really love, left. I don't love some of the linebackers. I think if they yeah, went two two oh two or something. If they went with the nose tackles here, I don't like the nose tackles enough to be like if they drafted DeAndre Coburn or, you know, I don't know, Jerry Clark, Cameron Young. I, I like those guys, but to me, they're like fifth round at the earliest kind of guys. And there's a um, lot of numbers there. So, like, I don't know why you would feel the need to pick one now. Yeah. When you have another pick coming, 15 picks or whatever. This why? is the pick. Why is why the the pick taking so long to show up, man? The Seahawks, they have to make it as punishing. You guys noticed, I know you weren't probably watching the broadcast on Thursday. So ESPN went to commercial twice when the Seahawks were on the clock and the clock was getting down and they take the board off. Oh, okay. Jake Andrews, there's a center. There is a center. Um, curious if that was a guy the Seahawks were interested in. Well, we won't know. Well, we will learn if they trade out now. No, that's a center. I, I've seen his name. I don't know much. I know they had another center that used to be named Andrews, but. <laughs> they think Jake Hayner's the best fit. For... <laughs> I will be very disappointed if they think Jake. <laughs> Why do I take TTR here? I, I like Jake Hayner, but like six rounds. Jake Andrews, know? first team all Sun Belt. Yeah, hey, Troy is like a powerhouse. So. <laughs> Jake Hayner. I do not think, but yeah, like Andrews. I mean, I, I have heard of him. I haven't spent a lot of time scouting and like looking into him that much, but it is interesting to see a center go right before the Seahawks pick. Yeah. Oh, the pick is already in, dude. Pick is in. Okay, the here pick we go. Is in. Do not so, tip, folks. Do not tip. We're going in. to watch that this together. Ah, man. Very, very curious how this plays out. They've been listening to people say, a lot you haven't people. addressed the defensive line, you haven't addressed the defensive line, and they've talked about how they are Anthony Bradford. Okay. 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 
I'm excited about this guy. This guy is an athletic freak. Um, okay. Yeah, this is a this is a really interesting pick. Let me go ahead and pull up the PFF big board with Anthony Bradford. What is yeah, your reaction, Jeff? Good. That's a good pick in the fourth round. They had him as a top 30 visit or not top 30, whatever those things are called. Not 30 visit. He was a guy that they met with at the combine. He's an athlete. He's exactly the kind of offensive lineman you take in the fourth round. Yeah, he's, they had trouble in the short yardage in the run game last year. Uh, they, yeah, it looks like he skyrocketed. Oh, he's, a, he's a good player, 6'4", 332. He's not an old guy. He's 22 years old. He's a junior. And the thing that a lot of people like is that he can fit into that scheme where in the past where they might have had some of the smaller guards – He's a bigger, kind of a more powerful guard. And look at those comparisons. They're not luck to those Rams guards at all. But look at that one in the middle, Steve Hutchinson. Interesting. Yeah, this is a this is a this is a big boy. And you know, he's he's got the arm length they like from an explosion standpoint. I want to see if I can find really quickly his Raz score because um Anthony Bradford. Raz. This guy is a is a Raz freak. Um, okay, yes, here it is. I'm going to share this tab. Um, all right, are you all seeing this? Wow, nine eight. This guy ranked twenty eight out of one thousand three hundred eighty two offensive guards since nineteen eighty seven. So you're talking about a mover. This guy is now understand his speed grade is elite. At 332 pounds. This is exactly what you want to take in the fourth round. His explosion grade is great at 332 pounds. Like, that's a guy that now you've got a high upside player. This is what gets me excited. A guy that has high upside, high potential, and not just, you know, some guy that's going to be a, a mediocre starter, you know? And who knows? Maybe he doesn't. Maybe he doesn't. It doesn't work out. But I love that they shot for him. Like I like. I think Zavala is a little bit more of a safe pick. But Bradford's a guy that's got sky high potential. Yeah, it's a swing for the fences kind of guy, and he played at LSU. And again, this is exactly what you want in these day three picks. You want athletes. That guy is one of the freakiest guard prospects from an athletic standpoint you can imagine, and. He has some work to do probably in pass protection, but I think he can be, you put him in Phil Payne starting at right guard and that just makes the position group. If someone like that hits and that's your right guard with Lucas and cross, think about the athletes. They got two air raid tackles now with a, a right guard with elite, elite athleticism. <laughs> that really changes the look of their offensive line. And yeah. yeah. So I'm really, really fired up by that. That gets close to an A for me. All right. What did we talk about going into this draft that mattered to us the most? What did we talk about with Dana's draft that we liked the most? Toughness. Yeah. Right? Like, stop being stop being pushed around, and and that is on offense and on defense. I would argue this is the first pick in the draft for the Seahawks that directly addresses that. And oh, there goes Adi. Nice. 
If he hits that word, one pick after. Yep. Not surprised. Um, but you know, I'm, I am, there was a, a strategy, like a roster strategy that you and I talked about, and this is going to be something that it will be debated. But if you go back like 49ers, Eagles, best teams in the NFC, right? We're on the same page there. 49ers way, 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 way more talented than Seattle last year. Like not even close. And if you go, Jeff, into the first half of that 49ers Seahawks playoff game, what was the key to them being competitive in that game? It wasn't their defense. Yeah. It was running the ball. Like they were able to control the ball. Kenneth Walker was getting six yards, five, six yards. They were able to move the ball. And so if you can get an interior offensive line that can be effective against that 49ers defensive line. And now you've got two running backs that can batter them. Now you've got JSN and DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett and the 49ers absolutely shit the bed yesterday. Did not get any of the defensive backs that I thought they would to, to help them. They have no good corners really. I don't think you're better than the 49ers, but I think you have a path now to actually like, compete with them um strategically and one of the things you always talk about is you want to build uniquely good position groups and you talk about what the seahawks now is they're starting to build that in a few areas like their defensive backfield with woolen witherspoon and the safeties the three safeties can play that's a really really strong group the wide receiver group is now if not the best in the nfc the second best with the three of those guys and you now potentially have an offensive line that is could trend in that, that direction with the kind of athletes they have. They have three unique athletes at offensive line. And we don't know if Bradford's going to hit. He's going to have to compete with Phil Haynes this year. But that's what wins. And typically you want that in the trenches and it's defensive line, offensive line. But the Seahawks have some position groups that are projecting to be best in the league kind of ceilings. And the corner group, the wide receiver group, and we're hoping they keep building this offensive line group because they, they laid the foundation last year. So you're right. The 49ers game, a big part of it was they were able to run the ball on that defensive line and keep them off the field. Now that you got two running backs, and the running back group is pretty damn good. I know it's probably one of the least valued positions, but Kenneth Walker and Charbonnet has got to be one of the best running back rooms in the league right now. So there's a lot there. Maybe not the positions I would typically build that, but – if you look at where this roster was two years ago, where they were bleak, they did not have any room that you would consider it was a Russell Wilson and bust. That was the way the team was looked at. What they've done with these last two drafts and building this team out, there's a lot of work to do on the interior defensive line and linebacker, but there's positions now where you can really say they got best in the league ceiling. I love, I love, love, love that take, Jeff. Let's go yeah. through that. Like, like best position group by group prayer for a second. So cornerback's the obvious one, right? Cornerback and receiver are both pretty obvious. I I, I think most people probably go to receiver first. There goes day one Jones. There he is. Um, I think most people in the league right away would say DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, and JSN. If it's not the best receiver group, I'd like to see it. It, it's, It's right, right up there. Yeah, it's probably them and the Bengals. That's, that's it. And then the cornerback room, 
you know, we got to see how Witherspoon works out. I think people are sleeping on Trey Brown. I think people are sleeping on even Michael Jackson. Uh, and we'll see where Kobe Bryant ends up in his second year. But could that be – is that pretty clearly a top five cornerback room? Well, Miami has the Jalen Ramsey one with Ramsey and Xavier Howard. And I think they drafted Cam Smith last night. But outside of that one, I can't really think of another one. And it's pretty remarkable because if you remember, it was either two or three years ago where we had Flowers and Akella Witherspoon as our projected starting corners. And it was such a bleak looking group where they missed on draft picks and Trey Flowers won a training camp job. And what they've done with those, and it, like you said, it's not just the two. They got, they're pretty, they're four or five deep at corner now with Michael Jackson, Trey Brown, and Kobe Bryant. And Julian Love can play a bit of corner it's a really strong group top to bottom. Like it's the most depth they've had since the Legion of boom years where for sure last year they went in with Sidney Jones and Artie Burns were probably their starters. And to make that into like a position group that's sustainably built. And here's another one. That's a kicker. <laughs> that's a kicker. It's always funny when kickers get picked, man. The only good part of last night for me or like my favorite was when the Niners took a kicker. That was really funny. I needed that laugh. But wow. Two kickers. <laughs> I, I was, I was teetering last night. I was really disappointed in some of how things went and the 49ers, I thought were going to push me over the edge and I thought they were going to get some secondary players that I was going to be concerned about. And just like, they could have picked Ringo. They could have picked Trice. They could have picked like, they could have picked some guys. And, and if that defense gets good cornerback play, all of a sudden it's like, really we're, we're in trouble, but they didn't. So that gave me a lot of life, but let's keep, let's keep talking about this for a second. So, so cornerback wide receiver, both, I think pretty solidly top five position groups in the NFL. Yeah. Then you go, I think you got to talk about safety, right? Oh, yeah. I don't think it's, well, it, a lot of it depends on what happens with Jamal Adams, but even if it's just Quandre Jiggs and Julian love, that's at least a top 10 safety tandem, I would say. Wouldn't you? Yeah. It's a very good fit for like the modern game where you're not having like the guy in the box versus the guy in the middle of the field. It's two guys who can play all over the field. They're very good in coverage. You can kind of move them both around. Uh, for the modern game and with all the three receiver sets, having those two safeties is really, really good. Love, Love is a much better player, in my opinion, than Ryan Neal was. I know Ryan Neal probably graded out higher on PFF, but Love, I think, is just a, a much more. Can you saw the difference in contract of six million versus the league minimum? Um, so I think the the combination of Diggs and Love alone, Adams is just like at this point he's a house money player. Anything you get, if he hits, then you got number one safety group in the NFL potential. But he, like you said, Love and Diggs is very very capable. You can get by with that for sure. Right. So then, if if you manage to add Adams to that group and he plays, I think that's a big deal. And then let's move into offensive line. Abe Lucas, Charles Cross, and then some question marks. Yeah. But if Anthony Bradford hits, now you've got three young athletic offensive linemen that becomes oh, God fitter that jerk. 
I mean, they, they got the Seahawks got the guard they wanted. We'll, they we'll, we'll find out if they picked the right guy, but I love I love the choice there. If they can if they can draft if they can draft a center that has some upside that can like later a little bit later on. I don't know. That group could be that group could definitely be a top top five offensive line, top yeah. eight offensive line. Chicago's on the clock now. They're they're a team that a lot of people have been looking at center for. So this will be an interesting one from the Seahawks perspective. But yeah, I agree. And I think this is what I was saying last night, where I thought offensive line was the area where I really thought there was a chance to stack. And Cody Mouch was a guy that I really, really liked. I know you loved, but I'm not surprised that the Seahawks might have come back and said, okay, we can get Bradford or Zavala round four. And we don't know that they like Zavala, but Bradford two rounds later. I see the value in that. I see the value in that. I don't know if there's a glaring difference. I think Mouch just has a potential. I think this, the chance he hits is far more likely than the chance Bradford hits. But for what Seahawks like and those athletic dynamos, like that's got like an Andy Dickerson pick right all over it. So I would love to see them at a center. I would love to see them at a center and really potentially stabilize that group even further. But yeah, they got two two steady tackles and then – we got Damian Lewis, Bradford, and Phil Haynes at guard. It's not, it's not great, but I'd like to see them do a little more work there. But this is a pick yeah. is for the Bears, so this is one where this could be Whipler. This could be the guy from Michigan. Well, and the other thing, Jeff, that has been a story of this draft is Schneider's draft tendencies have stayed. I mean, what yeah. did we talk about other than they're drafting the cornerback early? What did we talk about before this fourth round started? I told you how many guards they've selected in the third and fourth round. This is the range when they select guards. Guess what? They selected a guard. So I, I think that <laughs> we should wait. Did something just, Oh, there goes Roshan Johnson. Roshan this is a guy that you really liked, right? He was the guy I thought would be like a Chris Carson style. I'm guessing that Charbonnet, but I always thought Roshan Johnson was like the discount running back, but he went earlier than I thought. Seahawks wanted to probably draft at him. So I don't think they would have taken him their first fourth. So yeah, he's a guy I really like. But they got Donta Foreman, they got Travis Homer. So I think Roshan Johnson's got a chance to win that backfield. But anyway, I think Nick, Nick Herbig would be a pretty interesting pick for the Packers here. Go Wisconsin. Uh, they always oh, they always tend to favor those uh those Wisconsin boys. Yeah. So how many were up in three, six, eight picks? That's right. All right. We are the 21st pick of the fourth round after, you know, after our other one. Um, finishing up on this conversation of best position groups. So running back is another one that is it top five? It's got potential to be. They probably need to add another body, maybe undrafted free agent seventh round, but Kenneth Walker and Charbonnet is your one, two. Like, it's hard to tackle Kenneth Walker. And if you bring him out and then bring in this guy off the bench, I don't know if you have a comp for him. I've seen different kind of comps for him, but he is a pretty good one too. Like some people have compared him to AJ Dillon. Some people have compared him to like, I've seen DeMarco Murray, but it's just a hard guy to tackle. And I think that having that combination, like the Packers have a great success with Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon. And that's sort of what the Seahawks are building here. And it's especially of the ages they're at. These are the peak years of running back. I don't know if there's many teams that have two 
22, 23-year-old running backs that are in their peak years that are this potentially – like Charbonnet could have been a starter in a lot of places. Absolutely. Yeah, and as much as I don't love running backs early, I do think that running backs are pretty projectable. And Agreed. Charbonnet, I think there's high, 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 high floor. <laughs> I mean – I, I would be really surprised if he's not a good player. And so, I mean, basically, Jeff, what we're talking about is now I, I don't want to be crazy because we talked about the Seahawks cornerback group being a top corner of top secondary back when they traded for uh, the guy from Washington. Who was that? Uh, what was that guy's name? So that was when they had Shaq Griffin. And- yeah. I'm I'm spacing his name, but Dunbar, you know who I'm talking about. Quentin Dunbar. That was Quentin Dunbar. Yes, and, and <laughs> it was one of the worst secondaries in the NFL. So I don't want to, yes. I don't want to overstate, but I think it's this, we, 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 this is different. We've seen we've seen a lot of these guys, and we're talking about a fifth pick in the draft. I mean, we're talking about different. So anyway, cornerback safety, wide receiver, running back. And then, like, that's four position groups that are probably among the best in the NFL. Yes. Offensive line has the potential to be. The tight end room as it stands now is probably at least a top 10 tight end room. Yeah, they're somewhere from 10 to 12 in the middle. Yeah, like, they could be in the top 15, but probably top 10, given the three guys they've got there. Yeah, they got really good depth, assuming Disley can play this year. Right. There's not many tight ends left. Uh, basically, all of them won last night. Yeah, Zach Kuntz is the guy that is left, and he athletically is ridiculous. So, I mean, he's a high upside guy. I wouldn't be sad for them to get later, but not a priority for sure. No. And then, yeah, and then you see some groups that look a little different, but. I wanted to quickly check out. <laughs> so some interesting oh my god okay, i gotta share this so you guys can see what i'm seeing uh sorry if, if i'll come back to the draft in a second so this is this is comparing anthony bradford to just any athlete at any position uh dj reader is interesting ryan kelly is interesting any chance that they look at him at center if he can move that much any chance um Matt, I, phil haynes phil haynes um yeah if you just look at interior offensive linemen i mean the hutchinson comparison anyway so i i think that that's pretty uh pretty fascinating um and there goes colby wooden a lot of people liked this guy at 273 it's not a great fit for the seahawks defense so you want either over 280 or you know, under 260 pretty much. Um, not too worried about that. Um, people talk about Henry Toa Toa a lot. This guy is not someone I would be particularly... He is a... He is a medium floor, low ceiling player. Not a great athlete. A safe player to put in there. Jeff, I got to bring it up. I got to bring it up. I don't know if you heard this on Pete Presser last night, but talking about the linebacker room, he mentioned a name. He's like John Radigan. 
Oh, really? No, I didn't Tom catch in the best shape. He's stronger than he's ever been. And we'll see. I, I don't want to, I don't want to oversell it, but I, what I saw from John Radigan on special teams and in other places, even in preseason when he's been healthy was oh, wow. really encouraging. I think John Radigan has potential to be a better middle linebacker than Cody Barton was for sure. Yeah. So a few more guys just came off. Don't think any of them were on our radar. Uh, Colby Wooden, who someone asked me about this morning, and Saidi Sal, who's a guy who's kind of a freak athlete, upside guy. We so have five picks till the Seahawks are on the clock. Yep. Yep. And basically everyone we've talked with other than Addy Addy is still on the board. So all those defensive tackles, defensive linemen still available. Uh, Luke Whipler would <laughs> don't know if they like him, but he's still available. Don't know if they'll double on O line. I can see them going defense here. Basically, all the safeties are still available. I'm with you. I, the Alabama linebacker reminds me of someone that Tim Ruskell would have drafted. He. I'm more interested in Noah Sewell. I, I don't yeah. think Sewell's a particularly great prospect either. So I don't want anyone to mix it up here, but. Um, I think Sewell has more interesting traits and potential there. Um, he's also a, a pretty accomplished blitzer, so I, I think that he has some of that upside as well. Um, yeah, I'm looking. I'm looking at more Anthony Bradford scouting reports, just seeing what people are saying. Yeah, me too. I put it into nothing negative. It's bizarre. Some people talk about him being scheme specific. Mm -hmm. Good pulling guard. I mean, the Seahawks pull a lot with their guards. Um, I'm watching a little bit of highlight here. Forgive me, everybody. I'm just kind of checking it out. This yeah, is so we got oh, commanders go are coming up now. Pick us in, and then we're up in five picks. And so I'm very curious what the Seahawks do here. The other team, they say Jake Hayner is the best player. On the <laughs> Look how small that dude is. I don't know. <laughs> Two, he, he's basically uh, uh, Bryce Young without the same talent. I mean, size wise, he's, he's pretty yeah. similar. Um, here we go. Another one. In, oh, another Ray Daniels. I like so, this guy. I gotta say the Seahawks, Hats off to the Seahawks here. I was very critical of their picks yesterday. Just like the Smith and Jigma thing, they read the board well here because since then, Zavala's come off, Daniels has come off, another guard came off right before, Saidi Sal. And if they had gone a different way and waited for this pick, they probably don't get one of the guards. And so that's something what Schneider gets a lot of credit for. Brain Daniels was a guy that they met with. He was a tackle convert that the Rams have used, but – Good for them. They read the board right in this one. That's a good call. That is a good call. And, you know, this is the right right time in the draft to be pulling those guys off the board. Everyone else is doing it. Um, and yeah. generally, people thought Bradford would be picked around this spot. Um, doesn't mean that that makes it a good pick, but it also means that it's not some massive reach uh, project guy that no one would have seen. I just – I will always be a sucker – for the Jamison Conses of the world that have <laughs> e even the, the, what was the 
the center, the spark crazy. Oh, the spark yeah, I first thought of it. I like guys that have unlimited athletic potential, even if they're a little bit of a flyer. And when you got a guy who has crazy athletic potential at 332 pounds and he played at LSU, this wasn't a guy that played at some like tiny conference. I don't know, man. I, I think that that's a pretty, the floor there is a lot higher than a guy like Jamison Kant and the ceilings probably equally, you know, high just from an athletic perspective. So I think that's pretty cool. Yeah. Historically, like, unless there's like a off the charts kind of player that this is where guards, a lot of the best guards in the NFL typically go on day three or late day two. So this isn't like a total shot in the dark or a flyer. Like you can go around the league and see how many guards have come out of like the fourth round. It's pretty, it's a pretty high number. There's not a lot of guys where like edge rushers where you're just taking a total, you know, like me and you have complained about second round edge rushers. That's such a low percentage pick, which is why me and you have been so critical of them. They've taken three of their four in the second round. So typically edge rushers go in the first or you're found on like these freak athletes down here, but guards go in the fourth and fifth round all the time. So to come out with that freak athlete, that's like super unique. I'm pretty into that. Um, I will mention here a guy that we haven't talked about as much that shows up here as a best fit for Kansas City. I think Will Mallory is a pretty interesting tight end. Um, I like this guy. I think he. We haven't spent much time on him because I just thought some of the other tight ends were more more worth talking about. But he, from a polished perspective, like Kuntz is a guy that is just an athletic freak. He has not proven that he can do anything other than move really well. Mallory is a guy that could step into play pretty early. So I don't think they're going to draft him, but he's a, he's a guy that's worth, worth being aware of. I have no idea who this is. <laughs> There's going to be quite a few of those happening today, aren't there? Especially at this point. This is, we've actually seen the first few pretty well. We nailed a lot of the guards. We nailed Adi Adi, Ringo. <laughs> I cannot tell you anything about this player. Ranked 162 going – 40 spots earlier. Interesting note here from Brady Henderson. Uh, uh, Anthony Bradford said the Seahawks view him as a guard. He also played some right tackle in college. He played with Damian Lewis at LSU and said he's excited to reunite with him. Something that they talked about when Bradford made a day, uh, a th top 30 visit to the Seahawks before the draft. He turned, turned 22 yesterday. Okay. So they haven't really taken a lot of old players in this draft. They've, Gone away from that. Works for me, dude. Yeah, like it's with like I don't think they had. I think Hall is the only senior bowl guy. And we'll have to see what comes up now. But Jets are on the clock now, and the pick is in. So the Seahawks are up in three. It's getting close. And it, I don't know how fast it'll go, but the fifth round, they've got two picks within three of each other. Like the fifth round, depending on how you and I are feeling, I maybe be able to stick around to the fifth round. After that, I think I'll be out. But, but I think after their fifth round picks, we'll, there's a pretty big gap. And at that point, yeah. I don't know any players. It's, it's kind of surprising how few trades the Seahawks have made. Like, I wouldn't – like, it would make sense to me if the Seahawks packaged one of their fifth round picks and something to move up into the fifth round for another, or like what into the fourth round, I mean, get another fourth round pick. I'm just, I think some of these guys are going to come off the board. I mean, we've just seen it. Some decent guys come off the board. 
Um, depending on what they're looking for at linebacker, center, defensive tackle, you know, who who are you thinking for this next pick? We haven't even talked about that. Like, who, I have to be thinking defensive tackle. They've been hearing basically every press conference they've done this weekend. It's come up. They talked about some losses there that I think they missed on a couple guys they were looking at, but there hasn't really been a lot of defensive tackles taken other than Addy Addy, and they're probably going to get their chance of who they want. You mentioned uh, Cameron Young, the guy who screams Seahawks run defender, and there's basically their pick of basically the defensive line is sitting right there. I don't know if they're going to – they have a bit of a jump after this pick until that Pittsburgh pick, I believe, in the fifth round. Yeah. So – I think you have to, as much as I would like Luke Whipler, I think you have to take one here. There's too big of a gap. You're going to see guys come off the board. So, yeah, I feel like Carl Brooks or Keandre Coburn are two guys that, that I, I like Cameron Young a lot. I just wonder, he's a little smaller. He, he Cameron Young screams Seahawks. Like, I, I really think he's going to end up in Seattle somehow. Um, I don't think linebacker. I mean, Ivan Pace is interesting. Ah, uh, yeah. It feels like I was to guess. I think they're going to go defensive line. And yeah, I'm looking at the list you put out today. Let me see what. I think it will either be Brooks or Coburn, depending on who is available. Yeah, because Addy Addy was the only real three-four end. Cameron Young. Yeah, Coburn or Brooks, it really seems. Like Brooks is definitely the higher upside guy. This is a guy that, I mean, there's some people that thought he was a second round pick. He's he's around 300 pounds. He's not a nose tackle, but has some pass rush to him. You know, he's he's definitely an interesting dude. Um, Where did? Yeah. There we go. Um. Let me do a quick search here. So, yeah, I mean, like PFF has Carl Brooks as a top 100 prospect, 6'4", 300 pounds, um, super productive. Yeah, he's basically a three tech. So I and they had him as a second round pick. That could be a guy that would be worth getting excited about. He's a little on the older side. He's 23, but that's not terrible. And he's he's been good at both defending the run and as a pass rusher. He had a really good senior bowl weekend. Didn't get a combine invite. And I remember there's a lot of people shocked. So I'm sure Jim Nagy, he's been fighting for that guy. Uh-oh. Says he has short arms. Let's see how short we're talking about here. I don't know if they'll like that. Then. That might take him off the board for them. <laughs> yeah, they don't like that. Uh, they might not have him listed. Um, I'll have to look it up elsewhere. Yeah, what's pretty cool about the Bradford pick is uh, Bradford, if they took Bradford at 83, I would have been totally good with that pick. I actually would have been pretty excited by it, so – move down 26 spots or whatever get a third next year for a guy that you originally originally could have taken last last night 
That's one of my favorite picks they made so far. Yeah, I, I really, I that was definitely one of the guys that I wanted to hear called. For. I, I thought maybe he'd go a little later, yeah. but I really like that. Um, now, interestingly, Zan, Lance Zerline had yeah. Carl Brooks as a six. Okay. We will see. Um, yeah, we're getting close here. Yeah, the Jags are up, the Cardinals are up, and then the Seahawks. So Carter Warren, we don't care about him as an offensive tackle. Good. Chamari Connor went uh, as a safety. We don't care about him. Lining up very cleanly for Seattle here. Jacksonville's gone tackle. They went with a tight end I'd never heard of yesterday. It looks like the pick is in. So then Arizona, then Seattle. I think the one of the more say that again. I was gonna say I've been a little frustrated that Arizona's had a really confident draft. <laughs> they have, they have. It's it's gonna take them a few years, and I don't know about you, Jeff. I feel like as long as Kyler Murray's their quarterback, there's gonna be some limits. Um, yeah, they just they got that Houston one you talked about for so long. There goes Ventrell Miller. This is a guy that I thought could have been a fit for the Seahawks. I thought he would maybe be a later in the draft kind of guy, but um, yeah, they got him right two hundred. So. Interesting, interesting linebacker prospect. Yeah, I, I, he seemed more like a fifth, sixth round guy. Um, All right, so, so the, the Cardinals are on the clock, and then the Seahawks are next. So again. Yes. There's a lot of these guys. You've got Whipler, you've got Cam Young, Keandre Coburn, you've got Carl Brooks, you've got, I mean, Ivan Pace, Owen Papeo. Yeah, I can see um, them liking Ivan Pace. Yeah, same. I mean, they have drafted historically. Let's go back to, to Schneider again. I mean, yeah, linebacker, linebacker, they have drafted. Kevin Pierre-Lewis and KJ Wright in the fourth yeah. round. Um, and they spent a first, a second, and a third on linebacker before. So they've, they've valued that position pretty well. This could be the place they look linebacker. And there goes a, John Gaines. Guard. So That's we true. weren't going to draft another guard. So, so what do they do here, man? I think what it's do they do be, here? I think it's got to be interior defensive tackle. I'm going to say Coburn – or Ojomo. Oh, more Ojomo. Yeah. I think so. Coburn is a true nose tackle. Um, I think Jared Clark is a true nose tackle, but I think this is early for Jared Clark. It is. Um, well, the pick is in. The pick is in. So they know what the, they know who they want, man. Absolutely. Things are falling. It's fascinating. What do you think? Does that feel? My gut feel is I think I'll go with Coburn. I, I think yeah. they're I it feels early for them to do that by based off of their history. But I think they'd be hearing the noise. Yeah. Yeah. The other the other place could be linebacker. Those are the two for me that kind of jump out. Please do not do not tip the pick. Let's see who shows up here for the Seahawks. Uh, 
Um, again, people should have should have reminded, but I thought I pinned the thing. Trying not to have people react, and there goes Cam Young. Cameron Young. I told you, dude. <laughs> I, I, I've got to like, that's an impressive call. out. That was text at 9 a.m. Eastern time this morning. <laughs> that is impressive, Brian. Thanks, dude. I was pretty sure. I want to find the text. I'm, I'm looking for it myself. <laughs> okay, here it is. I'm going to. I will. I'm gonna. Try, how can I share my screen without sharing numbers here? I'm just gonna do this. List him as a nose tackle. Uh, yeah. So they list him as a nose tackle. I, I will get back to to bragging later. Huh. <laughs> Let's take a look at Cam Young, folks. Um. So Cameron Young is not, he's not as, he's not a huge guy. So like, as far as um, here, I'm going to share this screen here. He's not going to stand out from a, a weight. Like this is only just over 300 pounds, but he is bull strong. He is a guy that does not get moved off the line. He is absolutely a run defender. And yeah. so, Interestingly, they've talked about Jaron Reed as a nose tackle potential. He's got a lot of Jaron Reed to him in my mind. Um, you know, someone who's uh, going to be uh, stout again in the line, probably not almost any upside as a pass rusher. <laughs> but Jeff, look at who he's got a comparable to. <laughs> Discount Jalen Carter. Uh, that's hilarious. Koan Short. Koan Short. It makes a star. Lutelele. So this is when you're looking at Seahawks and you're looking at who they want to get in the in the defensive line. Arm length does matter. As much as I loved Kalijah Kansi and some of those guys, they probably were never on his board. Their board. Um, and you see here, 88th percentile arms. Like this guy stacks and sheds and let me find i will look up really quickly i want to find his pff um piece but what are your thoughts here jeff i think it makes a ton of sense it's not the most it's a little different than what they just took with bradford but again this is where you get rotational defensive linemen uh, this is not where you're getting typically guys with pass rush either getting a pass rush prospect that has like freakish athleticism but is raw or you're getting like a rotational player that can kind of just fill some sign stop the run this is the kind of spot where you get him like a carlos watkins has been a guy who can do that and i i think it's fine i think it makes sense i think it adds body to a place where they desperately need bodies and like we just said before they made the pick they really had to go defensive tackle there and i think he can be a rotational player him and jaron reed you're right they profile similar in size it's a guy you can give some snaps to. And I saw Daniel Jeremiah just praise the pick and say that Witherspoon Hall and Young are adding a lot of really good players to this defense. So I think what they saw is them get bullied a lot and to add a guy who is bull strong and is powerful and arm length. So you put him and Dremont Jones in the defensive tackle room. It does add some different things that they just simply didn't have last year. Yeah, so 
I I just see see this as just a very very projectable Seahawks guy. Um, yeah. It's it's yeah, it's. I thought maybe they get him a little later. I also, the, the reason to me, I like Cameron Young over a guy like Keandre Coburn is you're going to, he, his floor is very high. Coburn is a guy that was very up and down. He's a 332 pound big boy. Cameron Young's more of an athlete. And so I think you probably just got another Jaron Reed. And you got him in the late fourth round, which frankly is what I think Jaron Reed's value is like all along. He was picked in the second round. I thought that was a big reach. I don't think Cameron Young's ever going to have a 10 and a half sack season the way Jaron Reed did. But I think he will be a, I think he can be not an Al Woods, but I think he can be a pretty solid interior player for them. Yeah. And really, they need guys. He can eat snaps and badly. And he's a guy who can play 450, 500 snaps next year at some of the other spots across the defensive line, whether it's like he can play a bit of three technique. He can probably be some of the four eye stuff that they did. And they don't have that big nose tackle yet, which makes you wonder if a pick's coming next round or if Al Woods is still on the table for a resigning, which a lot of people seem to forget. Al Woods is still a free agent and yeah. still an option. I think they needed bodies in this group and guys who can play snaps. And they have the, sort of the frontline guys, but a guy who you can play the run, and you saw how bad they were against the run. They've really done – all three picks they made on defense are – they have the best tackling corner in the draft. They have a guy – an edge guy who can set the edge, play the run, and has length. And now they have a run-stopping defensive lineman with rare arm length. So all the picks fit. It's maybe not where I would have hoped they would have taken their first defensive lineman, but – I think it's a good pick. Fourth round in the later spots, you got to take guys you can play. And if you can get snaps of this guy, that's a productive day three pick. So I'm trying to see exactly. I've got to send out a, a brag tweet here. So um, that's impressive. I can't believe you called that. <laughs> and then I got to go check. I think uh, Nate's getting into trouble. <laughs> So you're you're gonna hold down the fort here for a few seconds there, Jeff. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, it seems to be I so yeah, Young is a run stuffing defensive tackle. He's exactly the kind of guy they need to add to the room. He's not a guy who's gonna shoot off the table with upside. Uh, one of the guys he's analyzing the pick, Shane Hallam, wrote he's a run plugger who moves his feet really, really well. He's got great tackle technique. He doesn't add much pass rush. Could be big enough to play some traditional nose tackle spot. Won't fit every defense, but he's a good rotational defensive lineman. So almost identical to what Brian said. I'm curious when Brian brings up the PFF boards, where they have him. But he spot where they had to reach for position. Doesn't have the kind of athletic ability, but when you're looking at a run stopping defensive tackle, his RAS score is far less important to me than if you're taking a guy with pass rush upside. So he's got good strength, good length. And yeah, I've been pleased. They've gone interior, both picks on day two. So still blown away that Brian called that 7 a.m. this morning. And now a couple of picks have come off the board. Isaiah McGuire went to the Browns. He is an edge guy that some people liked as a day three upside kind of guy. 
Um, the Seahawks are not picking again until the fifth round. So there's only – this round's kind of flying off the board. It's only been an hour, and there's three, six, nine, almost ten picks left in the third, fourth round. So the Seahawks are going to be up pretty soon in round five. And now that they've hit a couple spots, they really have the luxury. And there's a trade now. The Saints have just traded into pick 127. So that resets the clock a little bit. Uh, the Saints have now traded up twice in round four. They trade up for that Nick Salvieri to start. But back on the Seahawks front, I would still like them to see them get a center. Um, it's come to very obvious conclusions that they just simply don't value the position that much relative to the rest of the offensive line. And Brian did a great article on tendencies. They're following tendencies. In this draft. No tight ends, no centers. Uh, wide receiver earlier than people expect. Well, now a uh, rotational defensive lineman in a guard in round four. These are all right to their tendencies. So other than the lack of trade downs, they've been really consistent with where John Schneider values players. So, Jeff, we've got one, two, three. I'm getting an echo still, Jeff. Sorry if you commute. Three six nine picks left in the fourth round and then we got a while to wait this is actually the 17th pick 17th and 20th pick in the fifth round so we got a little while um (laughs) till the seahawks are up again unless they make some trades which i wouldn't be shocked if they make some trades um and i want to say thank you to amy kimball for the super chat really appreciate the donation um mississippi hawk love it amy love it uh i did a twitter space earlier this week just because i could i was just dying for this draft to come jeff i just couldn't decide if i wanted to keep talking about the draft or just occupy myself with other things so it would just get here in time but had a fun time talking on twitter space talked to a guy from uh, I think it was Kansas City. I talked to a guy from um, uh, Montana. I don't know, all over the place. And fun hearing how people have become Seahawks fans over the years. Uh, if people haven't already, go to patreon.com slash hawkblogger. Sign up right now. Get immediate access to the Slack channel. And get to talk about this all the time. We also will answer questions submitted by folks in the Slack channel as often as we can. And the money goes to a great cause. We just donated another $20,000, in this case, to Ben's fund. Gave the check to John and Tracy Schneider last week. And that's now over $260,000 that we've donated to charity through the years. And uh, couldn't do it without all of your support. So I uh, really, really appreciate all of you and appreciate Amy Kimball for her super chat. We will always, always uh, thank you guys for your support. So uh seeing that there is general agreement someone's sharing that that rob staten also likes the cameron young pick uh not surprised i think that's i I just think he's a he's a very logical fit for the seahawks oh there goes jake hayner so don't have to worry about whether he's a fit for the seahawks oh they did well, that's smart yeah. for New Orleans. I mean, they what do they? Yeah. They have Derek Carr now, or am I right? Derek Carr and... So DTR still on the board for round five spot. I think that's going to be one of the picks. I I'm I'm going to like go out there. I think I think DTR is going to be one of the picks. If he lasts to the fifth round, I think he's one of the picks. Maybe he goes later. Some people had him as almost a UFA. Um, 
Oh, it sounds like there's been a trade, Jeff. What? DeAndre Swift has been traded to Philly. Wow. Let's take a look and see if we can find this. What? Yep. Shepard just put it in. That's you have interesting any details? group. Rashad no, Rashad Penny and Nope. Says for draft pick compensation. So you're breaking up there a little bit. What did you say? It just says he was traded for draft pick compensation. I see. Yeah. Uh, Ian Rappaport. And then trading DeAndre Swift. Source to tell me sending Eagles in exchange for draft pick compensation. So they have the, the Lions have David Montgomery and Jameer Gibbs as their running back. Swift. What's the story with Swift? Like, it was like this big deal that they was, he was still on the roster and blah, blah, blah. And they were going to move on from him. Did he have a fumbling problem? Was he like, did he just not live up to expectations or like, I didn't have a bad expect, bad opinion of him. So I'm just kind of curious what, you know, it was a really strange situation. And like anyone who's played fantasy football has not understood what kind of happened there. And what I understand is he came from a different regime. And for every reason, the Dan Campbell group has not been very fond of him. And even last year when he was putting up really good numbers and playing pretty well, they would rotate three or four backs. And some of them were like guys off the street and guys they would pick up. And no one understood why Swift never got like Jamal Williams had 18 touchdowns last year. And he was their guy. And Swift looked to be in a big role this year. And they go and they sign David Montgomery and spend the 12th overall pick on so i don't know if it's something about playing style fumbles or maybe that he just wasn't their guy internally but they for years they just didn't there were guys that they would literally pick up as street free agents come in and would out touch deandre swift and even though every time he touched the ball the guy looked pretty good so they never seemed to really fit there in that dan campbell program philly philly's had a good offseason of bargain running backs they got swift and penny now and oh that, look at that there he goes stetson i like this guy yeah, I I like I think I think oh, people are sleeping on him a little bit. I know he's he's older, but I think he's a better athlete than people respect, and I think he's got potential, especially in an offense like what they run down there in L.A. I think he has potential to be a decent player. Oh, that was much higher than I thought he would go. Me too. Me too. I thought he was a six round pick and there was a, there was a prop bet out what round he would get taken and sixth and fifth round. And I think seventh round at much higher odds on the fourth. So if anyone bet fourth round, they probably just want some money. But anyway, that was a guy Nathan really, really liked as like a late round quarterback prospect and see Hayner and Bennett go back to back. Pretty interesting. We'll see if DTR even makes it to our pick at this rate, but. Uh, you know where DeAndre specifically that they've done. You want to know where DeAndre Swift played in college? Oh, no. I didn't think about it. Oh, my God. It's <laughs> <laughs> ridiculous. <laughs> Rashad Penny is going to be so out of place in the locker room from San Diego State. It's going to be the cliquiest locker room in the league. But wow. so I'm going to give a shout-out to this guy. I think you know him. Justin Mello? Yes. 
Canadian guy from Toronto. He's been he's been sharing some decent stuff on Draft Network, and he he just sent me a tweet. Uh, I'll, I'll actually retweet him. He deserves it. Um, and he says, "If you read my Cameron Young interview, you would have known the Seahawks were going to draft him." And I'm I'm looking at it right now, and uh, okay, it says, "Did you meet with any teams formally at the combine? Do you have any top thirty visits coming up?" Young said, I have a formal interview with the Seahawks. I've done a ton of Zoom meetings since then with the Green Bay Packers, Broncos, and Seahawks, blah, blah, blah. Um, trying to see if there's anything else in here. I don't know if there's anything else in here that really <laughs> makes it clear that they're going to draft him. But, you know, he... He played, he played a lot of nose tackle at, at Mississippi State, um, but he also played all the way up to five tech. So he's got some versatility there. Um, and that is interesting. He's like, uh, he thinks a lot of people think I can't rush the passer at all, and that's not the case. I'm a power rusher first and foremost. I stay active within the rush, even when I'm getting double teamed. Rushing the passer is something I've been working on throughout this process. I'm stringing together moves in training. I'm going to change those opinions on my ability to rush the passer. Again, he sounds like Jaron Reed. <laughs> yeah, he really does. But again, that's that's maybe you have Jaron Reed for a year, and then you have him transition to this guy. It's kind of like Nick Ross from Mirroring. That's kind of what you're supposed to do, and then you don't have to pay guys like Jaron Reed in free agency and you have a guy in a rookie contract. So I don't know the likelihood that Shelby Harris comes back. I don't know what his chances are, but – yeah, who does this affect the most from a free? Like they still, I don't know if if they are going to try to have an Al Woods type guy. I mean, that's a three hundred and thirty pound big boy. They don't have one of those. No. Brian Monet, don't count him because I don't think we, you know, him coming back from his injury, we don't know when that's going to happen. Um, I. Jared Clark is the, I'm going to still call that. I think he's a six round kind of guy. The Seahawks could get, he's one of the 330 pound guys. I'd actually be more interested in him than Coburn. Although Coburn in the fifth round makes sense. Um, yeah. But like Shelby Harris, I think he still makes sense for the Seahawks. Maybe more so than Puna Ford or even Al Woods, depending because they don't have their other 280 pound kind of, or, you know, 290 pound moving, disrupting defensive end. Oh, this is an interesting guy. Have you looked at uh, Fahoka? Yes, he Fahoka. is. Interesting guy. Dan what's, Quinn your, what's your take on him? He's a fun athlete. He's got a lot of upside and a lot of people around the league. I think he might be one of the good flyers in this part. So, Every time we start to like a guy, Dan Quinn kind of snoops in there. And I'm always jealous. It's a Mazzy Smith earlier. <laughs> I mean, jealous of you know, you've been pointing that out for years. How when they had that D-line coach match with their secondary guys, they had the perfect defense. So, of course, they take this guy. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, the Seahawks have been really, really bad at at finding quality defensive linemen uh in the schneider carroll era through the draft and their best 
they, they did their best work when Dan Quinn was there. And that included things like Red Bryant was there, but he was nothing as a defensive tackle. Dan Quinn was the guy that decided let's try him out as a five technique. There's not many 325 pound five techniques playing over, over a, a tight end. That was a big deal at work. Um, I think that their ability to go from like Colin Cole to Ataba Rubin and, and, you know, uh, some of those other guys, Tony McDaniel, I think Dan Quinn had a lot to do with that. And I think that bringing back Michael Bennett, I think Dan Quinn had a lot to do with that. He was part of the crew that brought Michael Bennett in the first place. So, you know, I, I, I think not having him has, hasn't worked out so well. I don't think Clint Hurt has proven himself as a defensive tackle guy. Jeff, let me ask you this. One of the moves, the underrated moves the Seahawks made this offseason was bringing in that coach that's known for pass rushing. Like, he, he's worked on helping a lot of pass rushers. How do you think that's going to fit in? Like, do you think that that could make a big impact on some of these edge guys or change the way some of these defensive linemen are playing? What's your thought there? It could, it could help. There's a couple guys that are either raw with technique or they've shown flashes and they need to – just refine their games. And Boy Mafa is a guy who wasn't a technician in Minnesota. And he came to the senior bowl and he really like flashed off the screen and how well he looked coming off the ball. And one though when the end of last year, uh, that happens a lot as rookies and second round defensive ends, they come and remember even Frank Clark, they struggle in their first year. And so Mafe, who's who's a really good athlete and was a much better run defender than I would have imagined as, as a rookie he's a guy who can really benefit from like refining his pass rush and hand usage and getting really coached up on how to be an edge rusher. So he's a guy I think can really, really benefit from it. And like, this isn't a guy that's worked with like lower end guys. He's worked with Vaughn Miller, uh, Max Crosby, Chandler Jones, like top of the top guys who need to still work on their moves, their counter moves. So someone like Daryl Taylor also, who's who just wins with like pure explosion and pure speed. If you can give him some like really good hand usage and technique, I think Taylor and Mafe are two guys. And then the new guy, I imagine that he had a big role in evaluating these edge rushers. And if they were that high on them, and they seem to be that high on them based on John's comments, I'm guessing he's a guy that they're very excited to work with because he has the, the good split and some of the arm length, but he doesn't have that. He's not a bendy, super bendy guy. He's just he's going to need some work. So those guys, I think, could really benefit because they need some technique and tech, like, to add some stuff to their game. Yeah, I think one of the most underrated stories by Seahawks fans, as far as I'm concerned, is Daryl Taylor having nine and a half sacks last year. Yeah. I think it's super underrated. And here's why, Jeff. We went into that season thinking Daryl Taylor's going to blow up. Daryl Taylor, we were thinking he could be a 12 sack guy. There were people talking about like players, not fans, players saying this guy could be a 14, 15 sack guy. Like, that was the buzz. And then he was a absolute zero for the first quarter of the season. He did nothing. Zero. He was awful against the run. He was not effective as a pass rusher. It was, he, he got benched. He wasn't even playing. And then he finished the season with a flourish. He got those nine and a half sacks. I'll go back and look for details, but I think it was probably in the last 10 games, last 12 games at most. And so, I think that the fact that he blew up 
is meaningful. Yes, he still has deficiencies. But let's say he gets this better coaching on how to become a better pass rusher. There has not been a great pass rusher in the room for him to learn from. It's it, it, like there hasn't been that guy that he there hasn't been a Cliff Averill that's on the team. Sure, Cliff Averill might be around, but there hasn't been the guy that's on the team. So Daryl Taylor could still end up becoming an alpha pass rusher. I, I I don't think you can say any like this is his that was his second year playing. It was his third year in the NFL. First year was a red shirt. But in his second year, he basically was a double-digit sack guy in three-quarters of a season, half a season. There's reason to think this is his last year of his deal. You know, this is a guy that could end up really blowing up for the team, especially if he gets the right coaching. And if you're talking about him being a bigger pass rush factor with Nuchena Nuosu, who already was and I think is more projectable to continue to be, and we don't like the guys that I don't know, Jeff. I just don't know about Boy Mafe. I, I I know you were you're a little higher on him than me, so maybe you'll convince me otherwise. But we'll see. And and the other guy we don't know about is Tyreek Smith. Like I don't. None of us know what he's gonna be. Oh, there goes Charlie Jones. <sighs> the Seahawks aren't gonna pick him anyway after they got a slot receiver. But I, he's gonna do some damage with Joe Burrow. Mark my. That's word. a really good pick because Tyler Boyd's gonna get too expensive to keep. They got to pay Chase and Higgins coming up. You put that guy with all those attention. I think that's really smart. That is a good pick. Uh, about the best receiver rooms in the NFL. Yeah. We might drop down number two there. <laughs> yeah. That's a pretty good one. That is a pretty, pretty good one. That's good yeah. Problem. For people that don't know Charlie Jones, he is the quintessential slot receiver, little jitter, jitterbug guy that is going to get open, make the tough catches, just pierce your heart. Um, a lot of third down conversions. You know, he's not the guy that's going to take the top off, but no. he's, he's a little Julian Edelman like to me um, for sure. Yeah. If you don't take Smith and Jigba one, but, it really sounds like the Seahawks were considering Zay Flowers there. From the yeah, that was an interesting slip. You heard that too, right? Yeah, it sounded like that that was – if Smith and Jigba wasn't there, I think they would have drafted Zay Flowers at that spot, which was something we were pretty hopeful about. But I never thought it was actually going to happen. It just seemed like almost fantasy to get that. So they viewed the kind of pivot the same way all those mock drafts were. So that was kind of cool. But this always seemed like the backup plan, and they had him in for a visit. So – you can tell you can learn a lot by these 30 visits and what they're doing because it really t- tailgates what they're thinking of the draft. And so, uh, yeah, that's one of the better picks in the fourth round. I think he's an impact player with Joe Burrow. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree with what you're saying on Mafe. Like, I wasn't thrilled when they took him last year. It seemed like they were chasing that Arnold Abiquetti guy and they lost him and kind of hyper focused on that one spot rather than just kind of. I actually thought they should have taken Abe Lucas at that spot at the time. I remember me and you were kind of tracking him, but I think he's got, I think he was better as a run defender than I thought he would be. I thought that would be an issue of struggle for him. And he flashed a bit at the end of the year. I saw some really good pass rush reps where there might be something there. I don't see him as like a high ceiling top of the line guy, but I think as a rotational edge rusher, which is when you get in the second round, which is why we and you don't 
picks, we think you can get much higher ceilings at other spots rather than a rotational lineman. So there's something to work with there. I think Taylor's a good one because I said it before. He is a guy who wins with pure freak talent. I don't know how good his technique is. I don't think he's the kind of guy that will win with hand moves. He is just a freak athlete that could – he had, like, the first-round tape coming on, and then he had the leg injury, and he still come back, and he still has that explosive speed. It's just he's been brutal against the run to the point where they have to bench him and bring back Bruce Irvin. So, yeah, now that Bruce Irvin's out of the room, there really is no veteran in that room. So – but that's a group that's going to be together for a while. Nwosu's a contract. is coming up at the end of the year, and then they got to they build some other rooms, and theirs goes Nick Herbig. Yeah, I know this is a guy that Derek liked, and yeah. I just, a good draft. I don't know where his fit is for Seattle. If he had been like, I, I didn't exactly see that. Maybe he's an outside, like a three-four outside linebacker there. Certainly a good pass rusher. I don't know. What was your take on Herbig? Uh, I saw. I didn't really. I didn't really hyper focus on him. I see him more as like a kind of rotational edge, which I was not thinking they're going to spend the kind of pick on. Uh, Steelers are running like more of the old school three, four and not what the Seahawks run, which is more of the Fangio style, but yeah, he's not a guy I was like super excited about at this point. It was good value. Everyone thought he'd be a third rounder. He's a really high IQ guy. Like I can see Mike Tomlin really liking him, but I thought the Steelers have had a really, really good draft. Like maybe the best draft of any team in the league so far. They're just taking the kind of guys and they took yesterday. They took Washington. They took Keanu Benton. They they played the first round really well, jumping the Jets for Broderick Jones before the drop off, and I think Nick Herbig in the fourth round. So uh, I think they've had maybe the best draft of any team, but I wasn't super thrilled about him for Seattle. And I know I know Brock liked him a lot, but I didn't see it. I don't think he's explosive enough for what they like. Um, just to complete the thought on Daryl Taylor, since I brought it up, um. Daryl Taylor had eight and a half sacks in his final nine games. That's not a bad pace. So, yeah, I still think that guy is being slept on um, for Seattle, and we'll see how that fits into this. And look, as much as I'm not a Derek Hall supporter of that pick in general, Part of what I liked about Nolan Smith, oh, there goes Tyler Scott, another good receiver. Very curious what the Bears look like this year. I think a lot of people think like Justin Fields has like found his way and is now an elite quarterback. I just saw a guy that was an amazing runner and not an amazing passer and has a really shit offensive line. So, yeah, I think the Bears are pretty far away from being competitive, but we will see. We will see. Two more picks left in yeah. the fourth round. So when when see when is Pittsburgh's pick? They were we're not for still running on some of these uh, running on the screen here. So no, we've got a ways to go. I think we're in. The, I think we're twentieth or something. Twenty first maybe in the fifth round. So we got a ways to go. And that's two quick picks. Like one. So completing the thought on Derek Hall, part of the reason I was interested in Nolan Smith as much is because I thought he was a good compliment to Daryl Taylor in that Nolan Smith is a excellent run defender, excellent athlete that can play in coverage. And I think had enough athletic ability to be, have upside potential as a pass rusher. So I think he could have developed into 
a complete three, four outside linebacker. Derek Hall could be a really nice compliment for Daryl Taylor as well. And that Derek Hall could be the guy that's setting the edge. He could be the guy that is really good against the run. I think Boye Mafe is a little bit like that too, but I think Hall has is stronger. I think he has the ability maybe to, to hold up a little bit more in that regard. And he's clearly got the potential to be a, a decent pass rusher. So, you know, he could be a, I, I, it's hard for me to see him in coverage. He seems too stiff of a dude to be like a coverage guy, but um, I can see that being a, uh, a good rotational kind of fit for, for Hall. Yeah. They got the rotation makes a lot of sense. What they lack is that blue chipper. And yeah. It's hard to, those, those are the guys that close playoff games. So. <laughs> they're going to have to do it a little differently. They're built a little more like New England used to be. Um, so it, what's your biggest surprise? Looking at the, here, I'm going to switch the screen for a second, yeah. if that's okay. Um, what is your biggest surprise here in the fourth round? Looking at these picks. Uh, hey, the kicker. The kicker went. But uh, Chad Ryland. I have to pick of the fourth round. I'd say otherwise it was the amount of guards that went that fourth round was just littered with guards and Stenson Bennett I'd say is the third one a lot of people had Bennett as a sixth round kind of guy and him and Hayner going back to back was pretty interesting especially a Stafford him double Georgia guys but yeah I thought the Seahawks fourth round from like a positional value standpoint or just like not in positional value in terms of a need standpoint I mean, the most logical combination of picks and they hit both trench spots. They hit players that we thought made sense. And it was a much more almost justifiable day than what they did yesterday. So I wasn't surprised by any of the picks they made. We called the guard. We called the defensive line before we hit basically both of them. So I think the fact that they didn't make a trade is a bit of a surprise at any of those picks, but right before the picks, we called interior line and D tackle. So Here's what they do now. The roster is a lot more wide open in terms of, I know they need a nose tackle. And there's another corner that people like, Jay Ward. But So the question here is uh, about Luke Whipler. Yeah. What's your, what's your explanation for why Whipler has not been taken yet? He's not much of an athlete. He's not much of an athlete. He might be one of the things that most people don't understand about the draft. And I want to seem like I know more than people is some guys that were just really good in college. Don't project well to the pros. And the whole point of a draft is your it's a projection. You're not drafting someone for what they are or what they were last year. You're drafting someone, what they're going to be against much ton of different athletes. And Whipler was really smart, really steady guy, but he's not the super, super athlete. And that's typically what goes. And both the guy from Michigan who won the Ellen trophy and the Remington trophy, two of the most valued positions has not gone yet either. And he's was projected to be a fourth rounder. It looks like he's not going to go in the fourth round. So I think Whipler just comes down to, he's an athlete and centers typically that aren't, I don't have the athletic tools. They go around this spot. Like Jake Brendel's a guy who got a lot of money last year in the draft. Uh, the Niners took him, I think sixth round. 
So this is a spot where you see centers slip a lot unless they have rare physical talent or rare traits, which Whipler doesn't have either. This is what happens all the time, interior O-line, and this is probably what Schneider thought. They took a guy that had the rare traits but not the kind of the tape in the fourth round. Maybe a pair Evan Brown with a center who has the lower lower ceiling and higher floor. And maybe we read Whipler wrong. I still like him as a center prospect, though. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, I like Whipler too, and I think you hit a lot of it, Jeff. I think the other piece that I would yeah. say there is um, – Center is just a low value position in the NFL. And so in general, you have to, to your point, you have to have something really unique about you to push you higher up the board. And Whipler is not a unique athlete. He is a super tough, edgy guy, plays with a lot of grit. I think has a lot of interesting potential. I don't know that he, I don't think he's got like all pro potential. I think he's got, his top side is to be a, a good center for a long time. And that's good. That's interesting. I think the guy from Michigan is similarly interesting and maybe a little bit better athletically. So I wouldn't be shocked if he ends up being one of the guys that Seattle's more interested in. Um, but yeah, it's, it's something that I think mainly has to do with uh, where, like what kind of athlete he is and how the NFL values that. So um, this guy, Olu Sagan, Olu Watimi, who's the Michigan center. A lot of guys that watch centers, like ex-offensive linemen, people that scout offensive linemen, they show a lot of his tape. They love the way he pulls. They love the way he moves. He's 310 pounds. He is bigger than Luke Whippler. Uh, he was the, do you know what the Joe Moore ward is um, in college? Can look that, but he he won that award. Um, and is, he's a guy that really moves folks. So it might, it might be that, that this is the guy over Luke Whippler. Um, there was a time that this Ola Sagan, I'm totally butchering his name. So apologies. There were times where he was thought to be going in the second or third round and he's kind of dropped off. I don't know if that was maybe combine, maybe something else, but he could be the other guy that they're looking at. Yeah. Well, There's another right. quarterback going. So I'm surprised all three of those guys went in the fourth round. Thank you to Brian Laburn for the super chat. Super appreciated. Uh, again, patreon.com slash hawkblogger is a great way to join and can keep being part of the community, get to talk with other fans. And uh, super chats are great as well. Very much appreciate it. Um, you know, you know, one of the guys that you and I were just like, me especially, I was super low on Tanner McKee from, from Stanford, and PFF had him as like a second round pick. And I was like, what is going on? Yeah. And he's these quarterbacks are going, and he's not going. So yeah, it's three now. Bennett, Hayner, and O'Connell all in in the fourth round. Yeah, we're now into round five. We're we're back. Seahawks have two picks here, so yeah, I wonder is McKee a guy? I don't know if McKee fits their kind of prospect at all. So I don't think he he's in the radar. He was there in those PFF simulators, and 
I wonder who the highest ranked guy in the PFF simulator is right now. Cause for what? Just who's the top I'd guys on the board right now? Yeah, I'd be curious. Good question. I can. I, I'm looking at it right now. We've gone through so many of those. Um. Has DJ Turner been picked? Yes. Okay. I don't know if Clark Phillips has been picked. Cornerback. He went last round. Yeah, he just went. Okay. All right. Has uh, Jomo was 93rd. Has Travius Hodges Tomlinson gone yet? That corner, that really small cornerback. He is not. He's still on the board. I mean, he's five eight and one hundred seventy eight pounds, so it was always questionable where he was going to go. But he's 69th on their board. Yeah, Tobert and Jacqueline Roy are still there on defense. Jared Clark, Jalen Redmond. Yasir Abdullah goes to Jacksonville. Okay, so that was an edge guy that a lot of people thought could play inside linebacker. That's a smart pick in the fifth round. You gotta take a flyer on that like that. I think there's a decent amount of some of the running backs available. Yeah, let me think. They do like Mora Ojomo. He's definitely on there still. Yeah, running backs. A lot of running backs went last night. Dwayne McBride is still available. Right. I like I that was a guy I thought was a decent pick for them. Chase Brown, Deuce Vaughn. Jamie Robinson is a guy that has made a visit to the Seahawks. Mm-hmm. Safety can play corner. I don't know that they'd really need that again. Deuce Vaughn was a guy I really liked. Super small yeah. dude. But Washington do not Washington. need another running back. Yeah, or about 14 picks, they'll see how it comes up. So you remember when Andre Carter was like a high second round pick? Yeah, he apparently had just a brutal senior bowl week. Like he just well, looked he's not an NFL athlete right now. He's not an athlete. And one of the weirdest things I'd heard, which is hard to wrap my head around, apparently the army football team is like a brutal weight training program. And guys that come out of there are just not at the same kind of level as all these other big schools. If you're, you're if you're training for the army, you figure weight training would be like their go-to thing. But he was a guy that I was told, I remember talking to you, like he might be undraftable. But yeah, there's Kenny McIntosh from Georgia still out there running back. But fifth round, where, where could they go? The safety market, as we projected, has been – some people said it was better than we thought. There's not been – Antonio Johnson hasn't been drafted. What do you think about J.L. Skinner? I mean, this is a guy that the Seahawks have been linked to quite a bit. He could play any of box safety, linebacker, slot. Like, he's this weird kind of tweener but is a super physical player. He definitely has Seahawks – he's Seahawky. But – I don't know. Like he's, he has Cam Chancellor vibes a little bit. Well, the one thing that worries me is the Seahawks' constant search to find the next Chancellor. 
I think that might have just been a once-in-a-lifetime guy. Like, they spent that second-round pick on Blair, thinking he could bring that kind of level, and Blair was an absolute flop. He just got cut again last week. So, I worry about chasing these once-in-a-lifetime players, and I know a lot of people have tied Skinner to the Seahawks for that reason. So, if it's a fifth-rounder, I'm more – I can stomach it a little more than if it was, like, a third. But – I would not be surprised if they saw value in that because we've seen them try to chase these kind of players that, to me, you're not going to find another Cam Chancellor with this probably as long as this regime is running here. Those guys, A, don't really exist in the NFL anymore, and B, that was the flukiest fifth-round pick. But this is where we got Chancellor in the first place. So if they took Skinner here, it's much more understandable. I'm curious about Mike Morris. This is a guy I love to tape. Yeah. I don't know um, where he fits exactly. That's the thing I struggled with him. He doesn't see, seems like a college player. Doesn't seem like an NFL athlete. And I don't know if he's explosive or strong enough to be an edge defender. And yeah, there goes another one. KJ Hemery was a guy who kind of fell down the boards a bit. So. Yeah, it's funny. He went exactly where he was ranked by ESPN, 137, 137. But, yeah, Morris is one I didn't love because I didn't see where he played in the NFL. Yeah, he was kind of out of position. We saw when you're like a tweener, we, obviously with Collier, we saw firsthand how that works. I saw Morris similar. He seemed like a guy who would be really good in college, but I don't think he's explosive enough or physical enough. He's anything more than like a rotational guy. But PFF had Witherspoon fourth overall. Yeah, they did. They did. Smith and Jigba nine. So they got two of the top nine players based on their board. Right. Right. I mean, I I listened to a lot of the PFF pod. I mean, as you know, I listened to pretty much every pod on the draft for a while. But um, before Witherspoon was even being talked about to the Seahawks, I mean, I heard them talk about him and – the basic thing that they said is two things. One, they were just increasingly saying this is another blue chip. They thought maybe there were four, four, maybe five blue chips, and they were adding him to the list. Like he was just his tape was so good that they couldn't deny that this guy was a blue chip prospect. Yeah. The other thing they said that was more concerning was they do these models and it takes into account how players in college do over their career. And they were having a lot of trouble finding people that had had bad freshman and sophomore years or the first two years with Darius Rush um, that then have a, a really yeah, great, rush. great senior year or a great last year that end up being good pros. And so that's worrying, <laughs> you know, um, what what makes me feel a little bit better about that? I don't know how much you heard about Pete talking about him, but Pete talked about his top thirty visit, and Pete just grilled him on what were you seeing here? How did you make that decision to make the, uh, to make the jump on the ball? And Pete heard just great answers that these weren't just pure instinctual things. He was seeing the game in a way that most people don't see, and. I think that's a really good sign that when you get in the NFL, he's going to be able to be, be able to he'll he'll get taken advantage of early on because he'll probably jump some routes that and get burned on some double moves. But if he's a good, smart, instinctual player with the traits he's got, 
having a playmaking cornerback, not just a guy that can shut down somebody with coverage, but can also actually break up passes, somebody that can actually take the ball away. That's really, really valuable. So yeah, they were, they're very high on Devin Witherspoon. Yeah. He reminds me a lot of one of the guys the Seahawks did have in their building for a very short period of time, Antoine Winfield, where Ah. he's a really unique player where he wasn't known just for coverage. It was how physical of a tackler he was. And Winfield was an Ohio State Big Ten guy, just crushed it as a first-round pick with Buffalo and moved to Minnesota, became like a legend in Minnesota. And he, they remind me in terms of playing style. I remember I first came across Witherspoon's name when Daniel Jeremiah had him as one of the top five players in the draft, and I had not heard of him during the last college season. But I started digging into who this guy was. and He's just a unique kind of player. You don't see – I saw Pete obviously made the Palomalu comparison, but like he's just not a guy that you see. Most top corners are guys all and rangy and cover corners like Ramsey or Sauce Gardner or Stingley. He's like guys with freakish arms. Witherspoon's a guy. And one of the things if you watch the Seahawks last year is how bad they were at tackling. And so having a guy who can like tackle Debo Samuel in space, or and like there's been so many games against the Niners where Debo just runs through like six Seahawks defenders. There's one game like two years ago where he like scored an 80 yard touchdown because he broke like seven times. There's another quarterback. Oh my God. Interesting. It's a weird pick. It's a weird one to pair with Kyler. Uh, yeah. And so I think Weatherspoon that doesn't been talked about enough is how bad this team was at tackling. And now they've added guys, I think pretty good tacklers and who can, you're going to play Debo Samuel twice a year, having a guy who can go up and hit him. I think that makes a big difference. But, yeah, so the Seahawks have two picks within four coming up, though. This is – Yeah, so they pick 17th in this round. Yeah, so they're – Once we get close, we'll remind people to not tip yeah. pick in here. I know folks probably are would like people to not tip picks the whole time. I, I get that. Um, if you, if you want to be absolutely the nicest, not sharing the picks until you see them on the screen would be great all the way through. If you want to just be okay, once we get to the Seahawks pick, do not tip, do not say it's a good pick or a bad pick or exclamation mark or not. Just, just hang on, let people enjoy it. Let people see it as it comes in. We'll react together. Once you see it on the screen, that's being shared in front of you, then we'll all see it at the same time. All right. So be a good community member. Um, yep. So if there's any way for the Seahawks to get a center here, that would make me really happy. But there's quite a bit, quite a bit way to go. But they're in an interesting spot because do you think it's another interior D line? You think it's a nose tackle? They got two spots coming up. They, they haven't drafted a safety. They haven't drafted a linebacker. They could take another running back. <laughs> they could. They need another one. I think that I think nose tackle is a possibility. It's almost a debate. Center and nose tackle are two positions that Schneider just does not value highly. And so if that's true, then he might not draft either one of them. I think there's a chance that linebacker jumps up here if they go Ivan Pace or Owen Pepoa. Noah Sewell's still there. 
Noah Sewell. Maybe they, they could go Henry Toa Toa Toa. I don't really want that, but I mean, they could go there. They could go DTR. There's been a run on quarterbacks. They might feel like if that's a guy they like, they might have to, to draft him in the fifth round. That's the be round I've been picking him generally for them. They get two picks in three in three um, really in quick succession. So they have the 17th pick in this round, 151. And no! The pick the no! Uh, mother! Oh. Damn it. Wow, way more quarterbacks have gone. Damn it. God damn. So they're not going to take a quarterback, are they? No. No, I think Stetson Bennett and DTR were the two guys that I thought were no, nothing left. No. Meaningful they, fits. They just got cleaned out. I can't hate it. I can't hate it. I think they made the right choices, although I, I do wonder if Cameron Young no, would Cameron allow Cameron still there. <laughs> Who? Tanner McKee's Tanner still McKee. there. Oh, my God. That would be a bad yeah. pick, dude. I, no, I think that guy saying. is a zero. PFF had him in, like, the third round. It's been, like, seven quarters. Oh, DTR. Interesting <laughs> pick for Cleveland there, right? Yeah, he's going to see Deshaun Watson's backup. Hmm. All right. I mean, I, I was thinking, sitting there thinking they're going to be worried about quarterbacks going. So that now is no longer a concern. Um, I think they'll go center. I'm going to say, I think one of these picks is going to be a center. I think either Whipler or Ola Sagan. And then I'm going to finally understand how to pronounce it. I think they're going to go center. I think they could go true like uh, well i mean in their mind they might have just got their nose tackle so they could go carl brooks who's more of a three four end i think linebackers decent chance could go tight end will mallory hasn't gone yet zach kunz is still available um they could shock everybody and go safety with jl skinner like i think any of those things are possible yeah you gotta wonder uh, maddie brown just made a point i saw on twitter that he thinks Cameron Young is really good fit to play like the underlooks, and that's something you've been speculating about. Whether they're going to move more towards kind of the traditional fronts that they used to run with Jaron Reed and with Draymond Jones and Cam Young, he thinks he's a really really good fit to play in those four three underlooks that they have been historically successful with. So that's curious. I don't know how you can. Come to that conclusion from one pick, but well, I came to I started asking that when they started talking about Jaron Reed as a nose tackle. Yes, because Jaron Reed is not a three-four nose tackle. He is a nose tackle in a four-three. Like he can play that role in a four-three, where you've got four defensive linemen. If you are a three-four and you are anchoring the middle of that line, and you need to be able to hold up against double teams, you know. In a, in a way that's very different than you need to do it as a 4-3 nose tackle. You just need to be a bigger dude. You need to be an Al Woods. And so you think about it. We were wondering why they cut Al Woods. We thought, okay, maybe it's the injury because he got injured late last season. But then they signed Jaron Reed. They talk about him literally as a nose tackle potentially. Now they draft a guy that is essentially Jaron Reed. They listen to nose tackle. And they haven't picked a nose like a three-four nose tackle. A lot of signs are starting to point to moving more to that four-three under. It's 
it's certainly interesting because now the need for a nose tackle is far less. Well, but then let's talk about what that would mean because that affects the three, four outside linebackers. So that would mean, well, this actually starts to be interesting, right? So Derek Hall, some of those scouting reports I read about him is that he's a four, three defensive end that they don't think he's a three, four outside linebacker. Okay. Really stout defensive lineman against the run. So that's another indication in that regard. Daryl Taylor, we already have talked about, is not a good guy and dropping into coverage and, and as a 3-4 outside linebacker. At least he hasn't proven space, it yet. Yeah. He's more logical as a 4-3 end. Boye Mafe, I don't know enough. I can't say as much there. Uchenna Nuosu was a very clear 3-4 outside linebacker. He was a logical fit there. He... I think he still could play like a Leo type position, like a Chris Clemens role. Um, but then you've got, I don't know, Daryl Taylor and Uchenna Nuoso are almost playing the same position. And who's your Sam linebacker? That's the question. Yeah. Like maybe Devin Bush becomes your Sam linebacker. And. So and the inside with who? Oh, yeah. Bob. Yeah. Bush. Jamal becomes your weak side linebacker. Well, that's asking a lot. I don't know. Or you, or you can just be a hybrid. You can do a little of both. But I don't know if that's a way to build a team. Well, they've always been a little bit of hybrid, but it was really this, the, the positions that really change when you go to 3-4 is the, is the nose tackle, the, the defensive ends that you, you play. Oh, Jacqueline Roy, a lot of people like yeah. this guy. I've heard I've heard a lot of chatter about him. Yeah, he's that's a good thing. I did not do as much research on Jacqueline Roy. Um, um anyway, so we are at pick eight, pick one forty-two, um, and the Seahawks are pick one fifty-one, pick seventeen in this round. So we've got a little ways to go. This is, but that's interesting, Jeff. I mean, if they really are moving back. So I guess Jordan Brooks, if he can come back from injury, I mean, I'm basically just not assuming he's going to be able to play, but he certainly fits as a, as a weak side linebacker. Yeah. And so if you had Bobby in the middle, Jordan was weak. And then you had Bush at I would feel a lot more comfortable Devin Bush if he was a Sam linebacker in a four, three, because that position comes off the field all the time. That, that position plays like 30% of the snaps. Exactly. It totally. That's the first question I'd be asking if I'm in a press conference say, you're not probably going to get an answer, but there's a, they, they have the flexibility to go either way on this one. And, I think we'll see in this round whether they prioritize nose tackle or not. I think that will be another clue of where they are because they've had so much success getting those big defensive tackles in the four three under off the street. And that's really where they got Woods and they really drafted a lot of those guys. Monet was an undrafted free agent. Um, so if they spend a fifth rounder on the nose tackle, it makes you wonder if we're in this round. But I think this round will be really telling with those two picks back to back essentially. You got yep. Detroit in between them, but if they draft like a Jared Clark or a Keandre Coburn, then that starts being like, oh no, oh no, they're still doing three, four. That's but if they exactly. don't draft one of those 330 pound dudes, then the signs are really 
point in that direction. There is someone in chat saying that the 49ers defensive end is Bosa and the Seattle's defensive end is Reed. That's not right. Jaron Reed's not a defensive end. Uh, if they play a 3-4, he might be a 3-4 defensive end, but that's not the same as Bosa. So Bosa's an edge. He plays in a, a defensive end in a 4-3 defense. Our comparable to Bosa in a 4-3 would be like Uchenna Nwosu or, or Daryl Taylor, um, yeah. like the comparable. Still not Nick Bosa, but not Jaron Reed. That's no, no, Jaron Reed's a 4-3 defensive tackle. He's probably comparable to their version of Kim Law, who they didn't pick up his option. Well, the other thing that would be interesting about the 4-3 is Draymond Jones and his role there. Yeah. Um, there goes Cameron Mitchell. Draymond Jones could start to fill the really disruptive three-tech role that, you know – Michael Bennett played, and I always am hesitant to bring that up because every time they get someone, they talk about him being the next Michael Bennett. <laughs> That's like the chance. But Draymond like the Jones playing all over again. They're chasing them. But yeah, yeah. I it's not just people. You're right. The coaches even talk about it. Michael Bennett too much. They shouldn't. But yeah, I don't know. It. it I guess, Jeff, that's maybe the most optimistic way to think about that the Seahawks are going to change scheme-wise to affect their ability to defend the run more than more than change personnel-wise. Yeah. And there's some reason to believe that. They had a lot of the same players last year as the year before. The year before, they were a top 10 run defense and a top 5 run defense most of the year. Last year, they were one of the worst. And the only real change was the scheme they were running. So if they can get back to a more reliable set scheme, reliable run fits, all that kind of stuff, that might be reasonable. That might be reasonable. I still think they have some question marks. But it's. I will even go as far as to say, if they're going to do that, Puna Ford becomes less of a bitter taste if they were to bring him back because I think he fits into that defense in a way that's productive. I do not know this running back. Did not scout him. Yeah, some people really liked him. They thought he was like an emerging player. Um, I know some of the fantasy people spend a lot of time on these running backs and where they're going to go in like dynasty drafts. So they, this is a guy that some people liked. So. All the fancy people were very pissed at the Seahawks last night because Charbonnet was a guy that they had been earmarking for a fantasy uh, role at next year. And now not only does he not have one, he eats into walkers. But yeah, I don't know much about this guy. He's a guy that's probably going to, he probably profiles as a backup, second tier running back. Brees Hall's there coming off an injury. So not a guy I really put a lot of time into, to be honest. I had my guys at running back, and this is typically where it does make sense. The fifth round is probably where running back should probably start going. But, yeah, again, Whipler adjusts to Tipman, so Whipler's not an option. Trying to look at the teams ahead of us now. Who might need a center here? There's eight more Carolina drafted Zavala. Yeah, Zavala is definitely a guard. New England drafted Andrews, so they don't take a center. They're not going to take a center. Um. Carolina's next. They signed Bradley Bozeman back. 
New Orleans, Tennessee, Chicago, Green Bay, Buffalo. So those are a couple in front of them where we'll see. That's that becomes they're earmarking a center here. And then after them, Detroit, Tampa both don't are don't have center needs. So they could take someone and then leave the center for the next pick. But who knows? They might not even take a center at all here. I'm starting <laughs> to think getting more and more confidence is gonna be a linebacker. Yeah, it, it would make sense. They don't have anyone beyond the season at linebacker. Brooks's option, I'm guessing, is not picked up. Uh, Bobby's on a one-year deal. Bush is a one-year deal. Who else is there? Radigan, I think it's an RFA. Right. So, if you're talking about like good position groups, that's a horribly built position <laughs> It is. It's pretty bad. Because you, you can't get Brooks $12 million as a fifth-year option. Okay, here's another card people like mafia was another guy i was interested in another one of those yeah. big big dudes um i i certainly like bradford better so do um I. bradford pick stands out more and more as like just in terms of value upside and just like the caliber of player he might be that was a really good pick that was a really smart pick. i will tell you a pick that i would be very excited about pretty much the rest of the draft they make it and it's not a pick of need but I still think if they can get Andrew Voorhees with one of these picks, he is a high talent dude that you're basically banking for later. And at this point in the draft, you shouldn't be, you shouldn't just be picking for need. You should be just trying to get highest potential available. And then also special teams. He's obviously not going to help there. So, but that's why I think linebacker is pretty likely here. Oh, yeah, I haven't paced him for special team. But Voorhees is a guy like they somehow could get him in the sixth round or something like that. I think that'd be a pretty cool pick. Yeah. So someone was asking about um, Antonio Johnson and why he's dropped the safety. I never liked him for Seattle because he's just, he's like, he's pretty redundant. He's like a box safety. I think JL Skinner, if they're going to go with a surprise in that route, I think Skinner's a more interesting prospect than Johnson. But I don't know. Did you have any read on that? Yeah, he just seemed like an odd fit for them. And they have like a kind of bunch of versatile guys outside of Jamal, who's a little unique in the way you can use him. He's sort of a Swiss Army knife kind of guy. But I don't really see the fit. Once they signed Julian Love and they put more money into that position, I didn't really. I never really considered he was a guy who was supposed to go in like the third round. So I never really understood a where he'd play, but I don't know how much time Jamal has with the franchise. His contract seems to indicate that next year might be the way out. So drafting a safety at some point might make sense, but it might be something you could also push the next year. And you don't have to spend. It's not a necessary pick. You have the bodies there. You have enough people. You can put an undrafted free agent to be the special teams guy. So I never looked at like the round two to four safeties particularly closely. And that was a guy who was supposed to fit in that group. I don't really see the fit unless it's just a pure luxury pick. Brian, you still with me? I am trying to fix my internet a little bit. Okay. I lost it for a second. You did. But you didn't really miss me. I know you didn't. A little bit. A little bit. You looked frozen. That was the difference. 
Um, I mean, these are the areas where you could start talking about the Carl Brooks, the Ajomos, um, those kind of guys. If if they want, I mean, the reality is, Jeff, they need as many defensive linemen as they can get. So it wouldn't surprise me if they add to the pile here on the defensive line because they just, even if they're low likelihood, they just need to get some guts and dudes. Exactly. Have you? Do you have a list of their top thirty visits? Might be interesting to see who of their top thirty visits are still available. There goes one of them. trying to find it so i don't know why this did oh there it goes there's jammy robinson this was another guy that was linked to the seahawks he goes he's a safety but he often a lot of people see him as a corner Okay, so I have the list up. So defense, they Jalen Carter went, Zach Pickens went, Calvin Avery, DT from Illinois. I think he went. Uh, yeah, edge rushers, Will Anderson went, Yaya Diaby went last night, Lucas Van Ness went, Addy Addy went today, Byron Young went yesterday to the Rams, Will McDonald went, Nick Herbig went. Jami Robinson, Trent Simpson, Jatavius Martin. Hold on a second. Many... Alvin Avery did not go. Um, so on defense. Robert Cooper like the... is not gone. Yeah, Cooper's left. Avery's left. Jordan Howden is left. And Jarek Reed and Drake Thomas, the linebacker from NC State. On offense, all of the offensive linemen they visited have left. And Charlie Jones left, so no offensive lineman left. They did meet with that Jake Andrews at center, so I always wonder if that was one of their options. Yeah, it's pretty much special teams level linebackers and D linemen. So yeah, they're the most likely there. free agents that they're looking at. Yeah, they're likely wiped out on that front. So this this could be anything really. So they're up in. What's up? New Orleans is on the clock. The pick is in, which means three. Yep, five picks till Seattle. Yeah, after the Saints pick, they've got the Titans, the Bears, the Packers, and the Bills. Yeah. Really interesting. I'm just shocked that the Seahawks have not moved around the draft board more. No, it's been it's been bizarre, other than the trade with Denver. This has been like the anti-John Schneider draft. Either the board is getting away from him or falling in his favor. But he likes to manipulate these things. And I was shocked they weren't able to trade down from five. I was really shocked they didn't trade down from 37. That one's I thought you were I thought you said it too. That one seemed there was like a long list of guys I thought would have been draftable at that spot. Or I was stunned they weren't able to trade down there. And then other teams were able to trade down twice right after them. So that one shocked me. They must have had Jaron Hall, or not Jaron Hall, whatever his name is. Hall is a first-round pick. 
Derek Hall. Jared Hall's the quarterback. He's from BYU. He's still out there. And there goes one of the top 30 visits. <laughs> so these names are going quick. That's back-to-back Seahawks uh, safeties. So they might have just been sniped, potentially. Uh, hold on. Those were their both safety free agent visits. Fifth round has been a very good round for the Seahawks through the years. Yeah, Sherman, Cam, Woolen. Let's take a look at fifth round picks for the Seahawks. Last year, it was Tariq Woolen and Tyreek Smith. Woolen certainly hit. Back in 2020, it was Alton Robinson, who's had his moments. 2019 was Ben Burkhurvin. 2018, it was rough. Shaquem Griffin, Shaquem Griffin, Trey Flowers, Michael Dixon. And Jamarco Jones. Yeah, I actually argue that's a really good fifth round. 2016 was Quentin Jefferson. And if you ask Evan, that was a good one. And Alex Collins was also 2016. This is a remarkable hit rate in the fifth round. Like in the fifth round, you're hoping to get a special teams player or a rotational player in the NFL. You're not like someone like Quentin Jefferson or. Yeah, that's a good value in the fifth round. That's a very good fifth round pick. Yeah. Uh, 2015 was Ty Smith. 2014 was Jimmy Staten. 2013 was Jesse Williams, Therald Simon, and Luke Wilson. I think reasonable. 2012 was Corey Toomer. 2011 was Richard Sherman and Mark Legree. And then 2010 was Cam Chancellor. So that's fifth that's round incredible. has been pretty friendly. I would bet Seahawks probably have the best fifth round value of in John Schneider's tenure of any of any team in the NFL. Yeah, if you mentioned those AV scores, like they would have to be way ahead. I mean, just Richard Sherman and Cam Chancellor alone. Yeah, then we had Willem in there. Yeah, right. They got a couple of years out of Flowers starting. Jefferson, they had multiple times. But this is a this is a variable. It's a variable round. They yeah. they've gone defensive tackle. This is where they've started. To, they've gone for some like run stuffing. Jimmy Staten kind of guys. Jesse Williams kind of guys. Corner and safety yeah. has definitely been. This is a place they've looked for that. They've already safety gone corner. They have not gone safety. So maybe we're just sleeping on this and maybe they will go like a JL Skinner or something like that. Yeah. Um, Another thing, they didn't seem to be a lot of offensive linemen in that list. No. I mean, I told, I think we, we when we did the show about Schneider's draft tendencies, as far as centers go, um, let me pull this up again. There's Ethan Posick in the second round, and then there's Joey Hunt and Christian Sokoli in the sixth. That's it. So I think they might go center here. That that center and linebacker feel like the right move. Yeah, but I also think they could go linebacker and safety and be thinking special teams. Like we might be thinking about it. Where we make the mistake here, Jeff, is we think about it as a positional fit. They're yes. probably thinking about athletes from a, a special teams perspective. 
I think Will Mallory is another name to watch tight end wise. Yeah. Yeah, basically every defensive lineman we talked about in the last pick are also sitting here. So right. every basically I don't think one has been sniped since the last time we chatted on that. So if you're looking at interior defensive linemen, you're looking at Coburn is still there. He used PFF's 139 or around pick 155, 153, I think we are. So he's still there. Jared Clark, 166. Jalen Redman. Oh, Jomo is, was their 30th. Was, he was ranked in the 90s, so he's still there. So I don't know if maybe they double dip here like they did a corner last year. I don't see any edge defenders that are going to be worth. Mike Morris is an interesting one, depending. Yeah, Mike Morris is still there. Carl, Carl Brooks is still there. Yep. There are three picks before the Seahawks are up, and it's going to happen fast. The Seahawks, they're going to have 151, yeah, and then they're going to have 154. Because I think center was a spot for them. And Barry, the pick is in, so I'm hoping they don't get sniped here. And as we get closer, folks, I'm going to remind you, please do not, do not... Um, tip picks in the chat do not react to picks do not do exclamation marks or anything else or it's a good pick or it's a bad pick just focus on what's on the screen and once you see the pick show up on the screen then we can all react together but don't spoil it for other folks let us react together especially as we get closer to the seahawks pick do not tip picks um we appreciate oh, there goes noah sewell okay That's all right interesting. yep I think, I mean, it's possible that was a guy the Seahawks were interested in. <laughs> he's a little bigger. He's almost 250 pounds. Yeah, a good good blitzer. Has NFL bloodlines. So, I mean, it's possible that was a guy that they were hoping for. All right, so two till Seattle. Let's go. Green Bay, Buffalo. Um, now, nope. Green Bay went very heavy on tight end last night. They went, yeah. Now, the Seahawks have Carl Scott on their staff, former Alabama dude. Maybe he has inside info on Toa Toa, and, and that's going to affect yeah. his rating. I don't know. I mean, Brooks' yeah. oh, pick's already in for Green Bay. Wow. They knew who they wanted. So, all right, we got two more toss. Let's see. Green Bay's wrapped a lot of white players. They're probably happy to stay in Wisconsin. Oh, that's kind of on brand for Wisconsin. It is. So Daniel Jeremiah's best available. He just put out a tweet. Toto is number one. Yeah, people in chat are talking about Eli Ricks. I mean, that was a guy that I really liked for the Seahawks as a press corner. I just don't know that there's any space to draft him. I mean, I think he's a great fit for the Seahawks. Um, I just don't know that they that they need him. No, they don't really need him. There goes another quarterback. Whoa. Wow. Sean Clifford was the guy who was like being brought up as like the Will Levis sucks thing because he couldn't beat this guy out of Penn State. That's right. He was not a draftable player 
on his own <laughs> ranking. Uh, Tanner McKee just that, went, whoa. That's a stunning pick. That's stunning. <laughs> he didn't have a ranking. I mean, Michael Robinson, Mike Robb from the old Seahawks, was on NFL Network just a couple days ago saying, you want to know why Will Levis is falling? In my opinion, this is his opinion. You know, he, Michael Robinson, the former Penn State quarterback himself, and he's like, Will Levis could not beat out Sean Clifford at Penn State. And nobody's talking about Sean Clifford as a guy in this draft at all, is what he said. So that was used as ammunition against Will Levis. And here you go. Sean Clifford <laughs> finds his way into the draft. Maybe Will Levis ended up helping Sean Clifford instead of the other way around. Maybe they spend more time studying Sean Clifford. Wow. PFF's Tanner McKee grade might be one of the worst draft grades. It was so weird, man. Every time it kept recommending in the second round, it's pick 37. And I'm like, this guy is like average Joe. He has no meaningful upside. I, I don't. I just didn't. I don't get it about him. I had him. I had him as an uh, undrafted free agent level pick. It was in. Oh my gosh! Okay, do not tip picks, everybody. Do not yes. look at Twitter. Turn your phone over. Do not tip picks. Let us all see it. Once you see on the screen that's being shared what the Seahawks draft pick is, then you can react. Do not put, this is a good pick or a bad pick. Do not put exclamation points. Do not do anything like that in chat. Just watch your screen. It's okay. You're not going to be like, no one's going to celebrate that you knew first. Just let us all watch it together. It'll be more fun that way. Appreciate it. So the Buffalo pick is in. And there's, Jeff, there's going to be a lot of options here for the Seahawks, no matter who Buffalo picks. Who do you want? I said Luke Whipple like four rounds in a row. So it's him. Other than that, I don't know if there's like a guy who jumps off the page for me. It's a lot of the defensive tackles and linemen like I'd be fine with. You know, Jomo's a guy I liked a bit. Uh, Coburn would be interesting. But Whippler's the one that jumps off the page to me because I think he could be a day one starter for them. So how are you? Any, 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 I mean, that's, that's gotta be it. I mean, as far as who I, I want to see, I mean, I do guess. like Ivan pace quite a bit. So I would be pretty excited if he was one of the guys, I think he has the potential to be a starting level dude, Justin shorter. Cool. <laughs> you can have him Buffalo. We are not, we do not need more receiver. receiver. I don't think Seattle's going to be a big focus for him. All right. So, I mean, honestly, they could almost, they could go in a lot of different directions. And this is where I got so bummed yesterday. There were a lot of different directions. They could have gone. What's that? Oh, the picks in. Holy shit. Well, they got, they got another pick coming up really quickly. So two spots after. If this is Luke Whippler, picture that dude. I mean, tell me you don't want. He looks like uh, <laughs> what is that guy? The the Hollywood actor that that uh, oh, shoot Kevin James. No, I think he does look a little like Kevin James. He looks like Kevin James. Seth, not Seth Rogen. Who's the guy that looks like Seth Rogen? Um, uh, that drives me nuts. 
Someone in chat. Have, who they have in the last fit last time? I can't remember. Well, this is the moment of truth. Jonah Hill. Oh, I was like, that's the pick? Jonah Hill? He looks like Jonah Hill. Okay, let's see. Mike Morris. Mike Morris. Okay, there's your guy. Brian, I'm you're having a pull. I, I'm okay with this. I, I think Mike Morris, Mike Morris is a, I think he is a starting potential dude. The interesting thing for me here, Jeff, this is a four, three player. Yeah, that, that is fascinating. He is very clearly a four, three defensive end. He is not a three, four outside linebacker and he is not an interior player. Our guy sets the edge. Wow. Brian, that's two pulls for you. Thanks, dude. Well, I mean, I think there was something about him as an interesting fit for the Seahawks, but it really was positioned. The only thing kept me from like being sure about it was he's not a three, four player. Yeah. That's two now where him and Cam Young, you got to wonder. It's sure looking that way, isn't it? And well, you think about what Richard Sherman's comment. He said they're going back to the scheme. So wow, Mike Morris is a 275-pound guy. I'm going to do a quick. Everyone, forgive me. I'm going to share this really quickly, just so we can look at him together um, from a PFF Brian, standpoint. Brian calling Cam Young. This is why you have to listen to these shows. <laughs> Dude, you've been all over it. So, um, I think the next pick has got to be either center or linebacker. Yeah, I, I think I, I wouldn't be surprised if it is Ivan Pace because maybe they think they can wait. I also would not be surprised if it is not Whipler, but it's Ola Sagan, the the well, Michigan center. Detroit and Tampa have center, so they might have been like, let's get this guy first. That's a good point. Frank Ragno and uh, Ryan Jensen are very good centers. That's a good point. I, and here's the other thing. I joked about it, but a lot of teams, like the coaches call the college coaches to get, you know, inside scoops on the players. Carol calling Harbaugh would be hilarious. And, but the, the truth is Harbaugh plays a very similar style. And so he, those kind of guys might be exactly the, this is another guy that did not have, (laughs) he did not have a number. Colby source. Lions. Strange looking draft. (laughs) How many Williams and Mary, William and Mary players have ever been picked? (laughs) All right. So the Seahawks are up again. All right. Do not get picks folks. You did an excellent job last time. Just hold off one more time. Do not react. Do not say anything. Yes. I love the comment that, that Colby has no picture. He, he is the faceless draft pick, uh, in this draft. So what I'm going to predict that the Seahawks are going to go linebacker. I'm going to say Ivan pace. Yeah. That's probably smart. I think the Seahawks have had a fantastic day three for the record. I think it's good. I yeah. think it's, I, I really like their fourth round. I think Mike Morris is a I good like the pick. Fourth, fourth round. 
Yeah, sorry. Go on, Jeff. No, I just think I like the players they're taking here. These guys can He's not an athlete, Mike Morris. He's like a five, five of ten on the RAS list, but I think they're drafting dudes. Yeah, yeah. I, that's the thing. That's that's my only knock on Mike Morris is I don't think his upside is super high. No. But as a fifth round pick, if you were to say, "Am I going to bet that Mike Morris or Tyreek Smith is going to be the guy that wins out?" I'll put my money on Morris. I think Morris is a dude. I, I think I think he'll. He gives me a little bit of like Rasheem Green kind of vibes, like like a good rotational player, tough dude. Um, yeah. So we'll see. He's not super explosive yet. No, but I like I liked his tape more than some of the draft guys, and I'm not a, obviously a draft guy, but I I I like the way he shows up on the edge. I think he is a I don't know. I'll look up some of the things I've seen about him, but I like him. Yeah, I know you, and uh, I think Griff was a fan of his. Oh, right, that's good. Griff's a, yeah. Griff watches a hell of a lot more than I do. Yeah. Um. I am super fascinated by what's going to happen here. I, I think one of these picks would have been DTR if he was available, and that would have been that would have been a lot of fun. I would have been excited about that. Was in, which means we're back on the clock. Servosia Dennis. He had a rating at least. <laughs> He's got a picture too. Got a picture. He's got a rating, so we're back on the clock. Hopefully, we're about to steal whatever pick San Francisco is going to take. That is a fantastic name, Sir Vokia. All right, we're back. Come on, take Whipler. Take Whipler. <laughs> I'd be happy if that happened for a few take different reasons. <laughs> Whipler. Or they could go double Michigan here. They could go double Michigan. They could. It's Johnny pretty... Kevin James is just picks already here. in. So maybe this poor... gives some credence so they knew that center was coming. Poor Henry Toa Toa, who's it's had his face as best available for like a day. Definitely not going to be a center. Do not tip the pick, folks. Let's just watch it together. Mike Morris shocked me. I didn't think I'd know the guy at the top of my head. All right, come on, Seahawks. Give me something here. Come on. Do something fun. Yeah, it's the person asking about is Olu still available? He is. So yeah. I think Ohio State and Michigan centers. Yep. They've got heavy Big Ten in this draft with Smith and Jigba and Olu. Hey, okay, we got a center. Go. Oh, okay. They got a center. All right, good pick. that's a good pick that's a good pick this guy can play this guy might be as good as the centers drafted earlier he might be he was the outland trophy winner and the remington trophy winner last year and he was a guy that went to the senior bowl and was really really steady throughout the whole senior bowl process he is a good player like that they must have really not liked Whipler for the record. Uh, but, yeah, that's a good pick. Jeff, what was one of the things that we said would be a home run for the Seahawks coming out of this draft? What could they have done on the offensive line that would have been a home run? 
get a center, right guard center, get a guard. I'm telling you, this has been a great day three. I feel a lot better. <laughs> I feel a lot better. Zero shots allowed and 400 pass block snaps in 2022. John Harbaugh's probably pissed. He's got to call his players and tell them about how fun Pete Carroll is to play for. But they just went double Michigan. Smith and Jigba might not be thrilled about it, but <laughs> I thought Whipler was a much better prospect. Seattle must not have liked him. Maybe it's the size. Maybe if it's his physical traits. Maybe it's medical. Yeah, Olu's a guy that was very highly regarded by people. I remember sending stuff. Why is nobody talking about this guy? I remember sending it to Evan and Brian. He was a guy that did really, really well at the Senior Bowl. He's just a steady guy. That him and Evan Brown. That's an interesting position group now. Well, remember Evan so Brown can play guard as well. Yeah, Olu's a really interesting guy. Just a guy who can play. I'm really happy with that pick. It makes me feel a lot better. I'm I'm right there with you, dude. I'm actually trying to scrolling through my Twitter feed because I tweeted out a video of him playing a few days ago as a guy that I thought could be a fit for Seattle, and the video is pretty cool. Let me well, the wildest part so far is that. Oh, here we go. This is from Duke Manyweather. So let me um. I'll yeah, share this screen for a second. Yeah. So let's make this full screen here. Look at this guy. He's a physical dude. Um, this is just obviously one clip, but he's a mover. He is, and he's played for a tough guy. You know, a tough guy uh, coach yep. who wants to run the ball. Um, I think that two things, Jeff, that the first two things described about Anthony Bradford and Olu, they're excellent pullers. Yes. They, it's, remember, and this is where you see the impact of Andrew, Andy Dickerson. And, Andy Dickerson wants a different kind of lineman that they had with Solari. And they want a lot of the guys the Rams had were low round picks. They had a lot of guys off the street, street level free agents that could move. And it's a little different than the bigger, stronger physical maulers. And I would not be surprised if they just really liked him as a depth option. Obviously they weren't that high on Schmitz because Schmitz, they could have picked him at either spot in the second round. And maybe they like Tipman a little more because he's an athlete, but this guy's a really, really good value pick. That's very exciting. Yeah, I think that the thing with Whipler, as much as you and I have liked him this whole time, physically, his upside was just lower. It's just realistically, he is not the athlete that Ulu is. And if you don't believe that he is going to be able to really step up in the NFL and handle the interior line, then it's not great. This is a guy in Olu who's, you know, he's a bigger dude. I think I want to say he's like 310 pounds. So Whipler's closer to 300. I think he looks more like a 295 guy. Um, he's just super tough. And I, I like some of his traits that way, but 
Olu's been a multi-year clear performer. And the thing I like best is you don't need him to be a first-year starter. Maybe he is, but you don't need him to be. And now you've got competition at that center spot. And Jeff, let's dream. Let's dream for a minute. If he ends up being a plus center and Bradford ends up being a plus guard, you've got a center, a guard, two tackles that are going to be in their first or second year and grow up together that are going to be under club control for four years. That's a big, big deal. It's what they wanted yesterday. And the great part is they took two of our handpicked guys. They took two of our handpicked guys. Bradford's a guy that you had been, they had a 30 visit with him. You really liked him. And Olu was a guy that I thought was like sort of the discount guy when they were rumored to be taking Schmitz. If Schmitz and Tidman were gone, I always thought Olu was a very logical option. And to get him at the end of the fifth round, he's a guy who might be a really quality center. And I know Duke, I don't know if Duke's working with them, but Duke's been really high. Like, why is no one talking about this guy? He was very good in college. He can move. He's got the technique. And this is where centers tend to get drafted if they're not those first-round guys. So I don't know the story if Whipler has medicals or not, but this is a guy that right before the pick, we said Olu. <laughs> so that was – this is exactly what we wanted them to accomplish yesterday. They've taken two defensive linemen two and two offensive linemen. This is exactly what we were so upset they didn't do yesterday. And just the quality of players they got. Like I can't remember a Seahawks draft where I didn't have to Google one of their picks. They've taken, like last year, they're, they're not taking guys off the consensus board. They're not taking guys no one saw coming. These are just good players up and down the board. And, wow, it's been a heavy impact. All big schools, all well-known guys. It's a – the last two years have been a change in John Schneider's philosophy, and you see it in this draft. They, they, let, they let the board come – to them in a way that was hard to watch at times. <laughs> um, but it's really good. I mean, if if I'm if I'm being hypercritical, which are people are gonna be like, God dang it, why are you always so critical? But if I'm being critical, there's not the high upside defensive lineman here. That does like Cameron Young, as much as I think that's a good pick, he's not a high upside dude. My counter to that was this is not the draft for that. That would have been failed. If if they had swapped out Adi for one of these, or it would have to have been for Bradford. Would you yeah, rather have, have a high upside just... guard or high upside defensive end? Defensive end. Defensive end. Yeah, if you could have wiped out Cameron Young, put Adi in there, and take it Bradford at twenty one. But I don't know. Based on the guard run, I don't think we would have got. To me, a big thing was just putting this offensive line together. Mm -hmm. And that was such a big priority for me and why I always felt a gut punch last night. Last night felt like a gut punch. And I feel so much better about the draft as a whole because they were able to get some of the guys that we really liked. We were just taking dice rolls. These are good players that we knew and we handpicked as legitimate options for them. So – yeah, I, I agree with you there. They're missing that freaked out defensive lineman. Adi would have been – I would have rather taken Adi than Derek Hall, to be honest. But 
Derek Hall's not that twi- twitched up athlete. He's just like a good locker room, set the tone kind of guy who's got potential and will help their room. Mike Morris, they just got tough players up and down the board. They're adding a lot of talent to this team. Like every one well, of those players you go for. One of the other interesting things here, Jeff, is again, if they're going 4 3, and there's a lot more evidence showing that that's the direction they're headed, Adi is super duplicative to Draymond Jones. They're both 280. Draymond Jones is going to be that guy. And I had been thinking that they were leading two, three, four defensive ends that like they had one in Draymond Jones. I thought Jaron Reed could be the other, um, but that they needed kind of another mover like Draymond Jones and that Adi could be that. If they're going 4-3, a 280-pound defensive tackle is not really what they're going to mostly be after, especially when they got Draymond Jones. So Adi might have just not been a fit for exactly what they want. There is no question at all that Anthony Bradford is a fit for what they're trying to do. So I, uh, I'm, I'm pretty fucking excited, dude. As as down as I was yesterday, they've done all of this and they got a third round pick next year. Yeah. The text I sent you in the morning turned out to be pretty accurate that they kind of botched day two last year. Other than Lucas, it felt the same way. And then day three, three, not only the guys we know and we can pick like, it just it's exactly what we wanted to do yesterday. I feel way better about the, the shape of this draft than I did yesterday. I, I didn't think they'd come out of day three with these guys, and I think that's what part of what made day two so frustrating because it seemed like if they didn't go garden center there, maybe they just didn't like garden center at all. And the fact that they took those hand-picked positions, it's easier to swallow. It's easier to swallow the Charbonnet pick, which really hurt at the time. I still don't love the Hall pick, but every other pick from top to bottom makes sense. And they really don't have, other than linebacker and safety, they don't have really any needs left. And other than grabbing more defensive linemen. It's interesting that Noah Fant is still a Seahawk. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> we'll, see, we'll see how that all plays out. I, they, they're going to have to find some... They're going to have to find some cap space somewhere. And if it's not going to be getting rid of Noah Fant, then it's going to have to be extending Uchenna Nuosu. It's going to have to restructuring Jamal sure. Adams. Oh, listen to this, Jeff. In the conference call with Mike Morris, he said that he is up to 295 pounds and that the Seahawks wanted him to get bigger. So he's an inline player. Now, see, this is part of what I think is interesting with, with Morris. If, if he is getting that big... I think some of his skill set could be really interesting on the inside. So 290, does that make you think three, four end? It does. <laughs> it definitely does. <laughs> so, I mean, it, it, he's now up there close to Jaron Reed in size. Yeah, that's really interesting. He's just a kind of a nasty guy. Like, he is a high upside college player. I personally didn't see the fit because he was 275. That, that's a really interesting quote. Now, I wonder, because I was aware I never liked Tyree Wilson. I thought that 6'5", 270 guy was that middle of the round, like, miscast for them. And I didn't really understand it. Based on what we're hearing now, I don't think Tyree Wilson was big on their list. I think they probably viewed it, whether it was a foot thing, whether 
I'm going to sense that he was a big option for them. So at 290, I see a fit for Mike Morris a lot more than I would have an hour ago, where I said I was confused of where he fits in. He seemed like a high floor college guy with a low ceiling, but that's really interesting. They, if they can get him that, because he's a strong guy already, if he can play at that weight, that makes a big difference. I'm doing some reading myself here. I was just uh, texting at audience. We've been having a great draft. I don't know if he believes it or thinks I'm lying. <laughs> what, what is Evan saying? He just wrote, and he wrote seriously, dot, dot, dot. I don't know if he agreed or probably thinks I'm lying. I have right. to admit, I mean, I talked to you. I, I was like barely able to consider doing this show today because I was so frustrated about how day, day two went. And I'm happy. I'm happy we did this, man. I'm happy that we got the players we've got. I think that we've got, I think we've got at least one guy that has super high upside. I think Bradford has the highest upside as an athlete. I don't think the rest of these guys have super high upside athleticism. Um, I do think that each one of those guys can play a potentially pretty meaningful role for the Seahawks. And I think Olu is maybe the most interesting from, you know, the role that he could play for the Seahawks for a long time. Uh, am I sure? Am I absolutely sure that John Michael Schmitz is going to be better than Olu? Uh, I can't say that I am. Um, so, and I think what, what's his age? Do you know what his age is? I'll look it up real quick. Oh, he's 23. So he's, yeah, he's 23. Older. I think Schmitz was like 24. 24, yeah. Right? Yeah, he's so, he's not a young guy. He was an all American player, though. Yeah. So, I mean, this guy's won, as you said, Atlan Trophy, Remington Award. You know, he's a he's a he's a good dude. So I'm excited about what that can mean for the team and for the the the, the way they're reeling the roster. And look, the first round, we can't forget, man. They got the best receiver and the best corner in this draft. I love day one. Day one was the draft. Obviously, if they green lighted Jalen Carter, that's the A plus draft, Carter Smith and Jigba. But I've been on this show for so long. I'm gonna talk about what I talked about the first segment. I, the thing I've knocked the team is like, why can't they just draft good football players, not focus on position as much, not focus on trying to fill a depth chart, what they did with Collier and D Eskridge and all these things, just get these like, and we, they took two of the top nine players on PFF's big board. And they're just awesome players. Like if you've watched Devin Witherspoon, he's the most fun player in terms of the film in this draft. Smith and Jacob has been my guy since like we've started this process. Pick 20. I was hoping the whole time that they'd get him. I didn't think there was a chance after Green Bay moved up those couple spots. And then the Jets came, and I didn't think there was a chance he'd be there. So I, day one to me was as happy as I've ever been coming out of a Seahawks draft. Day two, I was pretty def- – someone called it like a mad draft yesterday. I thought that was an over – I was, I was much lower than mad. So the fact that I was able to celebrate a few picks on the show for the last two hours, pretty exciting. I Total change in my mood from yesterday. I hear you. So with the sixth and seventh round picks as the only picks left to go, 
we won't be on for those, but I'm curious, anything that you're hoping to hear for those picks? Any, any preferences there? Um, not particularly. I, I'd like to see them get a linebacker. I, I like Ivan Pace. He's a guy I think I can play special teams. Um, I don't really care about the safety thing as much. I know some people for roster building thinks it's really important. But I'd like to see them add another interior defensive lineman. Uh, I don't know if that's Coburn or Jomo, guys that can add to that group. There's a lot of the names that we looked at. And I would like to see them add one nose tackle or just another big defensive tackle. So I'm going to be keeping my eye on that. But, yeah, these picks are typically – or the pick I wouldn't hate is that Kunz guy. Mm-hmm. Take a flyer on him, get, a, get that ceiling there. Um, there's no real quarterbacks I care about at this point. They're probably going to draft a running back or make But at this point in the draft, six-round pick, the percentage chance. Like, I can't even think of six and seventh, how many of them have hit in Seattle. So I, I tend to think either flyers or special teams guys. I don't have too strong opinion. What about you? Yeah, same. I, I'm expecting safety linebacker, that kind of thing. Um, you know, there might be other offensive linemen they're interested in. It might be other def- – like they could go – Coburn still hasn't been picked. Gerard Clark hasn't been picked. If they are going to look for a true nose tackle, we'll see. Um, they could go another running back, right? I mean, Chris Rodriguez was a guy that you and I both thought was a great fit for them. Um, but I, generally, I don't care. Six round, I'm looking for guys that have good athleticism, good good potential, and that if they flame out, they're sixth or seventh round picks, and so be it. That's what's supposed to happen. So, uh, Jeff, let's go ahead and wrap there, man. Any any other closing thoughts you have before we uh, we wrap this thing up? Well, we've covered a lot. We've been on here almost three hours, but. No, I, I'm Will Mallory just went, so there goes one. He did. Um, he did. The Colts have actually had a really, really good draft. Um, no, I'm really, really happy how this went. I'll always be curious whether Anthony Richardson would have been the pick at five, and that will always be an interesting situation. But I think we've seen some trends. Shiner has not been trading since kind of that Jody Allen room. I don't know if that was a takeaway from them or something that Shiner's done differently, but – they haven't moved up and down the board and John's drafted totally different the last two years. And I don't know if that's the impact of Jody Allen and they had that famous meeting with where they chose Pete and John over Russell and, but they've been doing this draft differently and they're kind of guys they're, they're not taking, they're really going with this best player available thing. And then today they focused on positions of need. And so it's really interesting to see if they draft differently, if there's anything that comes out, but I think it's been interesting to just see the drastic change compared to some of the years where we've absolutely hated their drafts. Hated. And other than really the Charbonnet pick and the, I think the Hall pick you can have, you can pick a lot of, there's a lot of qualms there, but it's just been a drastic difference that the Russell Wilson trade brought to this franchise. And it's really cool to go from what I thought was a super bleak roster situation to what we were talking about early in the show. It now created a lot of positions of strength and, potentially this O-line is now back on the board where we were saying it was a fringe thing before. So not the blue chip kind of prospects, not if you got Schmitz and Mouch in the second round, but they got some players that are really interesting to watch now. And they've just completely reshaped their whole roster in the last two years. Thanks to this trade. And it's, it's really exciting. I think those are all great call outs. And, uh, 
It's been so much fun prepping for this draft, dude. Uh, appreciate having all this time with you, obsessing with this. And, and yeah, I mean, the only reason we had some of these picks called is because we've been exploring every nook and cranny we could and thinking about how the Seahawks needed it. One of the most interesting stories is going to be watching what is the defensive scheme that they're going to run because it is still not clear. We thought we knew Mike Morris. Now he's 295. Now not sure. Like, I don't know. That's going to be a fascinating piece. And, uh, you know, it looks like the Seahawks are going to exit again without drafting a quarterback. Everybody that thought that they were going to be getting a quarterback because of Geno Smith's contract and Drew Locke's contract and Geno Smith's not the guy. I do not believe that they looked at it that way. And it's looking like that's the case. So yeah, I am. I'm really, I'm interested. I'm interested. I think that my general feel for what this draft means is that the Seahawks have taken a meaningful step forward. I don't think this is the draft that will get them to a championship contender status necessarily. Yeah. I think they need another off season to get there. I think that the 49ers so far have absolutely blown this draft. And I think their secondary still looks really suspect in my eyes. So you put a suspect secondary with an improving offensive line, improving run game and better receiving core for Seattle I get interested in how that matchup's going to look. Has the Seahawks have the Seahawks closed the gap with the 49ers this year? I think they have. I think they have. I think that obviously Hargrave was a big get for the 49ers. I think that Draymond Jones plus Julian Love plus these draft picks compared to the 49ers plus. picks, I think the Seahawks have made up more ground um, on that team. So Looking forward to seeing this all play out. I appreciate everyone who tuned in, everyone who did not tip picks and let us have all this as a shared experience. That was awesome. Please hit the like button before you head out. Click subscribe. Go over to patreon.com slash Sign up right now to get access to the Slack channel where the conversation will continue. And we will have additional podcasts coming in, in the coming weeks to analyze this draft and have other conversations. But until then, uh, have a wonderful rest of your weekend and go on. Yeah.